Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Grappling With Life podcast. Today I have with me Abdul Malik Taylor from Muslim History Tours. I've been a, a secret admirer of his for quite a while now. Don't look at me like that, bro. <laughs> I haven't said nothing. <laughs> but um, I, like, I am actually a bit of a history I'm not going to say buff because that's the wrong word, but I enjoy history. I enjoy it. That's great too. Um, I really do. Yeah. And I think that came from, um, I hate to start a podcast about myself, but I just want to line it up. So and then I, and I head it out with you. But so when I, when I hit about 12, 13 years old, so I, I'm from a North African background. My parents are Algerian. I'm Algerian. Yeah. So. Um, you born in UK? No, born in Algiers. Okay, Algiers. Yeah, yeah. nineteen eighty-three. Okay. Um, so we came over here in eighty-eight. So I must have been about what five years old at the time, four or five years old, and we didn't really have many people from our background where I lived. To be honest, a lot of Algerians came in the nineties. Mm. Um, so there was I didn't really identify with them apart from my own family. Didn't really have anyone in my peer group. Yeah. Well, obviously, I had a lot of uh, Pakistanis, Bengalis, and uh, Sri Lankans, Africans, yeah. Uh, and then I've, all, I've always felt out of place. Um, and then as I, as I grew older, like, that's why history really um, interested me, because what history dictates the makeup of a country, how it is now, right? So, for example, in Algeria, as you probably will know, there was loads of immigration in, in Algeria like from the times of the, you're looking at three, four, 5,000 years. Mm. Yeah. The, the makeup, the ethnicity, the makeup of Algeria has, has changed many times over. Yeah. Arabs being, being the last kind of uh, full wave of immigration. So I started looking into it and I think, I remember I had this really embarrassing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a really embarrassing uh, interaction with, I, we went to the British Museum as in primary school and they were doing they had art they had um the moroccan circus there yeah okay so is it uh hasanat what's that hasanat the so the moroccan acrobat probably circus yeah yeah Nine. probably yeah. yeah um i don't know what because i was i was quite young at the time yeah this is probably when i was nine years old in primary school yeah and I remember they, they were quite f f famous um, British um, circus um, acrobat, where uh, the main person was Moroccan. Right. He actually brought over supposedly about a thousand Moroccans, and they were employed by the Moroccan circus. Okay. They were called. Oh, interesting. Maybe that's and, what they were. Um, yeah. They were also at Jessica World of Adventures, Autumn Towers. They did oh. tour as well. Quite famous. So was this in recent times? Yeah, not uh, up until at least nineteen nineties, late nineteen nineties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly roughly. I'm, we're looking at what. Late, maybe 95, no, 93, 92, yeah. 93, something like that. And um, so then this woman come out, she was a belly dancer, bruv. Yeah. So we were in a circle and then she goes, is anyone here like Moroccan? Yeah. You can tell why I've beef with Moroccans now, isn't it? <laughs> I'm joking. And everyone's pointing at me. And I'm like, I'm not Moroccan, I'm Algerian, isn't it? But like, Obviously, I speak Arab. She came up to me, yeah, and she was come and dance with me, and I was a, like, I was like, hell no, <laughs> hell no. She was, above she was dragging me, and I was like running away. She's dragging me in, drag. 
and then after that, it really made me think, yeah, okay, like, I don't even know anything about my own history. Like, my dad obviously would tell us stuff, and yeah. we have that connection with the country, yeah? And in the time of the 90s, there was a civil war. Mm. So that was, that was really what was being talked about at the time. And then before that was the French colonial, uh, the cl um, occupation. Uh, co occupation, exactly. Um, so anyway, like, as, as I hit my teens, I started reading history, and I was very interested in Moorish Spain. And that's kind of like where my interest, and then, then I got in, uh, really interested in black history and in Malcolm X and, you know, and you know, do you remember Abdul Hakim Quick? Yes. He, remember those series of DVDs called Islam in Africa? I think? Uh, Deeper Roots. Deeper Deeper Roots. Roots. Yeah. Remember watching that and I, that blew my mind. Mm. And that really made me think, oh my days, we've been fed a massive, not, not a lie, but we haven't done enough work to kind of really look deeper into our history. So, so therefore we've been offered another narrative, as they say. Exactly, exactly. So when I saw that you were doing these things and um, like when I started work, I was uh, like, um, they organized a tour um, of Brick Lane. Okay. And it was a, a, a Jewish gentleman that um, did it. And he, I remember there was one road in, in, in uh, off Brick Lane, which had a, a Jewish Moroccan architecture. Yeah. I know that one. Uh, I don't know what the road name is. I think it's, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. It was a market. It's yeah, in indoor right. market, right? It was a Westfield office day. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then I was like, look at this. This was here the whole time I was there. I didn't even know. So then I came across, so after that, I came across your, your stuff. This is like 2000, I would say 2008. Okay. And then I don't know when you started yours. Was it roughly around that time? We're in the Maybe a bit later. Twenty-two, so it would have been twenty twelve at least. Twenty twelve, yeah. yeah. So I did, I did kind of uh, come across you roughly, and I was like, "Oh, that's such a good idea!" Because I remember being fascinated when I was taken around, um, just because that area is so rich with different, like the Hugo. You said the mm. Huguenots. There was a, a lot of Jewish uh, immigration, the Bengali immigration, that whole Battle of Cable Street, and all these different things. And like you walk past it every day. So I guess on that note, that was a very long-winded, uh, let me line it up for you. Uh, what made you decide to kind of start this? You could talk a bit about your background. And, yeah, I, I, think, I think I think that's where we should start it's from. It's valid to speak about my yeah, background. 100%. So a reason yeah. how it uh, plays a part in how I actually um, went into these tours. Yeah. Um, as you said, my name's Abdul Malik Taylor. And obviously my surname signifies that it's an English name or people assume it's an English name. It's actually a translation of the original Gujarati Hindu name. Right. Uh, which the original name was um, Dodji, the one who sews. And that's the caste I used to belong oh, to. Okay. And when I converted to Islam when I was 18 years old, and this was in the 90s, I used to wonder, to me it was odd, that the Muslims... Um, you know, after learning about our foundation, the Sira, the Sahaba, we were rushing to learn about um, Muslim Spain, Al-Andalus. Right. And we were going there to visit. I've never been there. Yeah. On, uh, to this day. But if you ask me to talk about it and how Britain was inspired by it, I can do that. But leaving that topic to aside at the moment. So that really intrigued me that the Muslims from Britain weren't learning about their... Uh, Islamic history within Britain. I found that quite strange. And that's, if you like, where my initial interest started. That at university, I looked at some of the earliest Muslim uh, established communities in Britain. 
And that was like the Woking community, uh, where England's first purpose-built mosque was. And this is looking in the, the late um, 1880s. And just before then, we had the um, Abdullah Mosque in Liverpool in the, the same year, 1889. These were the first two established communities, you could say, during the Victorian time. And then from there, when I was doing my research, um, or let's just say maybe just reading, um, you know, I thought, oh, that's a nice footnote. Let me find out about that person. Oh, what happened there? Oh, look, there's that location or something took place there. It was just one thing after another that led me to that. And, you know, then across at least another 15 years, I amalgamated little bits and pieces of research. And um, I had a um, a divorce after I was a... Um, I don't hold back on this. I have to speak openly about this as yeah. well. Being a a, um, a male survivor of domestic violence, and one of the things I used to do to get myself away from my ex and my kids used to see this as well. I just I just I just used to do my reading. Um, and that meant um, sitting in the front room with the kids reading books. That's what I would be doing, just to stay away from my ex. And that, in some ways, kind of like increased that passion to take up the reading so uh, much reading? more. It was about uh, Muslim history of Britain, oh, okay. right. um, in honest, and also then Islamic uh, Islam as well in general. So, um, but you know, as uh, all of us, I think we have one. You know, we always have that speciality we like to look at within Islam. You could say, with me, it was Islamic history of Britain, and um, what I decided to do then um, is to start some workshops about um, Tudors and Muslims, Victorians and Muslims, and Vikings and Muslims, as well as like do a timeline presentation of Islamic history within Britain. But then in a matter of months, I realized, hold on, if I take a bit from here, a bit from there, and add in a bit more, and I choose like central London or the city of London, I could have a guided tour or walking tour, as I saw it then. And I thought to myself, you know what's going on here? If I type in on YouTube, Muslim history of Britain, I was getting characters who was, um, you know, footage of characters of people, of Muslims, wanting to behead this person, behead that person and protest. If I type to uh, um, Muslim history of America or Muslim history of Australia, I was getting actual, you know, footage and uh, discussions about Muslim history in these localities. So I found that quite strange. And one of the things that kind of pushed me then to start doing this is actually showcasing some of the positive contributions that Muslims have done in Britain. And it's not just what the media shows us. Another thing we need to remember is the fact is, unless we want to start presenting our own history, somebody else is going to showcase our own history, which is not true, or they mix uh, the truth with some falsehood as well. And they give us a narrative and we get we, we um, take in this narrative, basically, and we, we, we think it's that right. And as we spoke before the show started, there is um, vocabulary that we use, terminology that's not been coined by the Muslims, but it's the Muslims themselves who accept it and use it for even a thousand years. So one example like, um, I like to mention is to do with um, the Islamic world, the Muslim world. It's us guys who use it the most, mm. these terminologies. But in reality... This was actually coined by the Crusaders over a thousand years ago to signify the Muslims came from a different planet. You know, where in the uh, galaxy do you find um, the Milky, uh, on the Milky Way, where do you find the Muslim world? <laughs> uh, another way to look at it, why is it only the Muslims 
who have that Islamic world. Right. Do we see the Hindus have it? The Christian Christian world? The Jewish world? The Hindu world? The Buddhist world? No. You will never hear it. You might hear Christian states, yes, but you will never hear the Christian world. So that's a sense of othering. And, you know, when you think about all this othering, uh, what's been said nowadays, it's like, you know, to make that other community be, it's belittled. And then, you know, we grow up with this uh, um, mindset that's different. And then we do grow up with this mindset, or, or even the non-Muslims, like their manasseh becomes. And what you find is like, you know, there is um, people who talk about decolonization of language. Okay, fine, we accept it. However, let's go before that. Why don't we do de-crusading uh, de um, of language as well? We don't discuss that. You know, even if you go to the British Museum, where you were uh, um, yeah. being hooked up to do your belly dancing. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you clip that, I'm going to kill you. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah. You know, they have an Islamic gallery there, but the they call it the Islamic World Gallery. Yeah, I've raised it with them. And even the, I spoke to the curator, and she, she actually objected to that term as well, but she was overruled. But, you know, um, I've taken groups now, I've said to people, look, you need to write in, ask them to rephrase this. So what, what would you call it? Um, you know, I would just call it, well, Islamic gallery. What's wrong with that? Right, okay. Why do you need to call it the Islamic world? So you're saying that, in my understanding, the, crusader, the, the, the crusaders called it the, the Muslim world. Yeah, because to them it's a, it's a. I guess it's the opposite of what like the. A we were a foreign enemy who came from a different planet. So if you yeah. tell that to your fellow countrymen, as they say, then they're really out for us. Over. You know, they say we weren't even human. We came from a different uh, planet, as they say. Yeah. So that's something they used to have over here. They used to call it the Aliens Act to signify you know the foreigners who are coming here. You know, during the Victorian time, we were aliens. Something similar to that, you could say. So, um, you know, you said something very interesting um, about, you said when you Googled, Brit was it Muslims Brit in Britain? Muslims in Britain. Muslim history in Britain. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And Muslims in you Britain. Got, I'm guessing you got the, the unsavory characters yes. that, ha that have come out in the news yeah. in the last. And I remember that placard saying, behead this person, yes, behead yes, that yes, person. Yes, 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 yes. And I had to. You know, I had to really look for Muslim positive stories of Muslims, what we've done contributed to Britain. I remember, um, a few. I mean, when I start, when, when I had kids, yeah, this was something that was so important to me, yeah, that I, I educate them about history, Islamic history, Muslim history. Um, and I remember there was a, a, a book called A Thousand and One Inventions, yeah. Do you remember there's a whole um exhibit? That's right, I think it was yeah. in the Science Museum, it right? It was indeed, yeah. And it had Ben Kingsley, ben Kingsley was the... Main character, one of the main characters when, when it was filmed as well. Yes, yes, yes. And that for me, as an adult at that time, was the first time I ever saw Islamic history presented in that way, in that arena. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? So, and I remember buying the book for my kids. Yep. I remember sitting with them, going through each page, Mm -hmm. And 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 even me being like intrigued about, um, I even started. You know, remember when we met in in Leicester yeah, many years ago. Many yeah. years ago, yeah. <laughs> a few years after that, I started a fragrance company. Okay. So we used to sell um, perfume and and musks. And when we were coming up with the name, we came up with the name Moore's Fragrances. Okay. Right? So my idea was to to 
to connect the two together, right? Because fragrance is a nice smell and I wanted to connect it with history. So what, 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 what I did was, we, we kind of we kind of had to knock it on the head because, I don't know, it's comp complicated. Yeah. But anyway, what happened was I wanted to kind of, like each fragrance would have like a, a, a major Islamic city mm. attached to it. So for example, uh, uh, Babylon or mm. whatever. And then you'd have a little pack with it to give you a history of that area, what's the most significant things that happened yeah. in that. So, um, and I remember one one last thing I want to add before you, you, you carry on was uh, my son came home from school one day and um, with some homework. Mm. And uh, the homework was, uh, if I can remember. Choose a famous Victorian person. Yeah. It was something to do with World War Two. Okay. It was something like... Um, uh, make a poster encouraging young men to go to war to fight against Hitler. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And I, and I, and I was like, right. It was a sticky situation. Yeah. And the reason why, the reason, the reason why I, I kind of stepped back a little bit, I was like, okay, so he's been asked to do something, but he doesn't identify with anyone in, because if you look at all the pictures, of, of the soldiers and uh, it's all English soldiers, right? So I sat down with him, I typed in, I type in North Africans in World War II. And let's look up the history mm. because I didn't want him, because I remember like being told, go back to where you came from, yeah. all that, you know, all that rhetoric, yeah? And then you think to yourself, I, I didn't want him to feel like he wasn't part or his ancestors weren't part of this history. And I struggled to do that. I struggled to connect the two. So we were, there was a film actually, a French film called, um, Zach, see if you can bring it up. The, it was about a group of Algerian, uh, Algerian battalion that were recruited from North Africa and they followed them through the war basically okay. and how they got treated. It was disgusting, bro. It was absolutely disgusting. They were like, um, by their fellow soldiers, Days and of Glory. Days of Glory. Have you seen it? No. I would recommend you watch it. Uh, it's in, obviously it's in French, but uh, it's got subtitles. But um, it just documents, and, and, and I made them watch it. I said, watch this. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's your history too as well. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. Now, coming in what's happening right now with this whole war that's happening in Ukraine, yeah? And the way the media has covered the refugees of Ukraine and versus refugees in Europe and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's important that Muslims in, in Europe understand that they are European. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like for example, when I went back to Algeria, um, I've I'd, identified with the Algerians there. I felt at home. Yes. But there are certain- They saw you as British. Yeah. And that wound me up because I was neither Algerian nor was I British. Yeah. They call you beurre, you know what beurre means? So I thought beurre in French means butter, yeah? But uh, who was it that explained that to us? Jude. Huh? Jude. No, Jude was like, takes the mic, bro. <laughs> it takes the mic, calls me. But um, it's actually, um, it's like a, it's, it's the word Arab, but mixed up. It's like okay. a, if you look, if you look, it's like, what's the word when, when you mix up? Uh, mixed blood? Uh, no, no, no. That's another thing. That's another thing I was going to talk to you about. What well, about like muggles? No, like, you know, when you take a word and you mix up the letters, 
Uh, anagram? Is it anagram? Bro, I'm terrible at these what, things. Like some Da Vinci code? Like, you know, for example, if you take my name, <laughs> my name is Muhammad, yeah? yeah? And you'd use those letters to make another word. Mo. No, like, uh, oh, forget it, man. You're the worst. <laughs> but Berg was an anagram. It's an an- type, Google what anagram means. <laughs> All right. Type, Google what anagram means. But um, I'll give you an example. What is a French person, someone who's French, that's born in Africa? Do you know what they call them? Guess. What do they call them? Pied noir. Black feet. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So even a French person who's born in Africa is called a... uh, Google Pied Noir as well, please, bro. P-I-E-D Noir, N-O-I-R. An anagram is a word or phrase formed by rearranging the letters of a different word. So I was right. Thank you, bro. It's fine. Okay, Pied Noir as well. P-I-E-D-N-O-I-R. P-I-E-D... Space-I-R. Yeah. Noir. And again, these words, like you talk about colonization of words and, and othering and all. I, I thought Pinot meant like someone who is Arab born in France. Okay. But it's actually a French person born in Al- like Algeria or Morocco. Yeah, a French person born in Algeria before yeah. independence. That's nuts, bruv. And they use it like normal in France, bruv. Yeah. Um, do you see what I'm saying? It reminds me of that Dave Chappelle sketch. Which one? He goes, what's your Indian name? Oh yeah, he goes. <laughs> yeah. Name is Blackface. <laughs> Blackfeet. Blackfeet. Black yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, that that's that and then I kind of started to rebel. Then I looked into I say rebel, like I didn't I had to unprogram myself. Yeah. Deprogram, sorry, is, is the word. Deprogram myself from all this. So I read Malcolm X's book. I read I I, I watched the DVD uh Abdul Hakim Quick's uh, history uh, what was it? Uh, deeper Roots. Deeper Roots. I watched um Roots. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, but, but again, it, it's kind of, and then when I came, it kind of be a very, cause in some ways a reawakening of your it identity. Was, it really was a reawakening. Well, you know, you wanted to search for, um, things that you had not been told. Yeah. So, and, and for me, my character is the more I'm made to feel like an, someone else, the more I want to be that other person. Yeah. Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah. The more, like, the more, like. Um, for example, I remember when I worked in McDonald's and they said to shave your moustache off. Now I had, I didn't really care about having a moustache or not, but the fact that he told me to shave it, I wanted to grow like handlebars. I wanted to, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah. <laughs> like one of those, to, like one of those aster- asterisks, the asterisk and obelix. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? You don't tell me what to do, bruv. Do you understand? Yeah. So that kind of, that's the kind of mentality I had. So every time I read history, from, like history, I always think, what happened at the same time? So for example, during World War One and World War Two, what did the Muslim world look like? Uh, sorry, what did Muslim countries look like at the time? Does that make sense? Or, yeah. or for example, when the medieval times in Europe, mm. what was it like in the Arabian Peninsula? What was it like in China? What was it like? So just to kind of get like a- So are you comparing the medieval Europe? Europe versus um, medieval Arabia, Arabia or, or, or Africa or China or, does that make sense? So what was going on at that time? Like for example, during the- Dark ages? The dark ages. What was happening- the dark in, ages of Europe compared to other Muslim countries. Exactly. So for me, okay, I would we always- We need to stop there if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go, let's go. Let's go, <laughs> let's go. Say, this is some of the, uh, uh, again, yeah. the la- language, the terminology we use, we have to be careful. It's, it's there I'm in our mind. I'm here to be mind. educated, bro. Yeah, so yeah. 
I regularly get interviewed by the media yeah. and nine times out of 10, they always come out with this usual line about whilst the, um, uh, whilst Europe was living in the dark ages, the Muslim world was flourishing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So first of all, I have to, uh, you know, um, educate them about what the Muslim world is and who yeah. coined it, et cetera. And I'm yeah. crusade. Once we've done that part, we clear that part up. Then I go look to, I say to him, look guys, just think about what you're saying here. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're saying when Europe was living in the dark ages, the Muslims basically you dropped the world world. Yeah. The Muslims were flourishing. The Muslims were flourishing in Europe. Mm. Muslim South, well, uh, European uh, Muslim South was where it all flourished from. I know it was Christian North that was living in the dark ages. Mm. And I go, this is another concept of what othering the South? Muslims. What do you mean? Like, Basically, uh, the Muslims themselves, when they uh, entered into um, Gibraltar, Gibraltar, yeah. basically, uh, the Moroccan commander went across um, the Muslims in the year 711. It was to support a Christian king who's um, to do with a woman, woman's honor, you could say. Yeah. yeah. And um, the, the Muslims themselves went all the way up to um, even um, Pontes, about 400 miles away from British shores. And that's in France. And uh, there was another part of the Muslims who for about um, just less than 200 years went into Switzerland as well. Swiss, uh, Switzerland had Islam before the Balkans had Islam. Whoa. And, you know, what we have today is Portugal. That was run by the Muslims as well. So there's a large landmass of Southern Europe that was being ruled by the Muslims. So forget, um, you know, Italy and that side, yeah, Sicily, yeah. you could say, even. Um, it was this side, which is more the, the Western part of Western Europe. Western Europe, yeah. Western Europe, but the so Southwest of um, Europe, you could say, because you still had England at the top as well yeah. in the West. That was being ruled by the Muslims. And in the, in um, uh, Al-Andalus, we had street lighting there before we had street lighting in England. We had even so public what, libraries. What, what year are we looking at? From seven eleven onwards, basically, up until just round it off to the year fifteen hundred, you could say. Uh, but obviously, gradually, when she hit them um, closer to fifty year fifteen hundred, it um, the, de the declines the, the the Muslim part of um, Al Andalus. Um, but what you have is also um, public libraries were available for anyone in Muslim Spain, not like how it was before where it was just amongst elite people for private uh, um, libraries as well. So public libraries available for everyone versus, um, um, you know, uh, private um, libraries for elite people. Look at how the, you see the difference in the knowledge here as well, how it was actually, um, if you could say, disseminated out to the different communities. People used to flock to Al-Andalus for knowledge. There were people who went from England and they viewed um, the people of, for example, Paris. They're saying they're doing art here. What kind of knowledge is this? And then you go, if you went to Toledo, that's the place for gaining knowledge. And you realize that that was the place to go to for, um, you know, advancement of your knowledge. People were even commentating about um, uh, non-Muslims students, they were learning so much Arabic they were and mastered in it that they feared that they would convert to Islam as well. So look at that, the language of that time in terms of uh, knowledge was Arabic as well. Um, you know, when you look at um, different places in terms of comparisons as well, people went from Scotland. You had Michael of Fife who traveled there as well. You also had um, uh, Henry II's uh, um, um, friend who went there as well, um, Old Bath went there as well. Many people went 
to Muslim Spain, which was greater than what it is to um, Spain today. And, um, you know, it so, was the hub like of a, European learning. Wasn't there like, there was a, there was a poem written by a, a, a priest, right? About the, 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 I remember the streets of Spain and all it. There yeah. were like, there was like poetry written about it. For, There's for, poetry for, written yeah. about it. I mean, the other thing we need to remember, had it not been for, as I say, Muslim civilization, uh, Greek civilization would have been lost. Yes. Uh, it was the Muslims who carried on Greek civilization and translated it and uh, so it could be maintained as well as added commentary to it as well. And that, that, you know, that civilization would have completely been lost had it not just been for the Muslims. Also, another part is, which people don't really um, talk about too much, are the Vikings in themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we have much more written about the Vikings in the Muslim um, sources than in, um, I don't like to use the word again, Western sources, because Muslims were part of the West as well. Yeah, yeah. But we can maybe say non-Muslim Western sources. Um, you know, when I was at school, I'm sure you were at school, we were only taught that the Vikings went westwards. Yes, they went to England, they went to York, yeah, um, right. Scotland part, and uh, Ireland and Greenland and Iceland, blah, 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 whatever, and on to North America, the claim was. But we, were never, we were never told they went to to the Muslims. They had battles with the Muslims of Seville. They took over um, Seville for a few days until the Muslims uh, regrouped to repel them. Um, the Muslims themselves sent an ambassador to the Vikings as well. The Muslims went to Morocco. The Muslims went to modern-day Turkey. They went to, you know, you know the Hagia Sophia, um, yeah. the Masjid now. There's Viking writing in there as well, which people don't even know about. Isn't that that film, 13th Warrior? Written That's about right, that? yeah. Uh, yeah. Antonio Banderas, right? That's right, yeah. No, that's, you should watch it. But they've messed up the whole thing, though, man. Yeah, really. but there are parts uh, within there that yeah. speak about the truth of what yeah. the Vikings did, in terms of the um, you know when the chieftain dies, what happens to the Viking woman, etc. Right. Um, that um, you know examples of that, with the dog being split in half and it as well being sacrificed. Yeah. That's that. But there's another film that was made in the 1960s, which actually had um, Sidney Poitier. Oh, know, Portier, yeah, yeah, who died. And Poitiers yeah. is from the city of um, Poitiers as well in France. Oh, okay, right. Where the Muslims reached the furthest. He made a film called, called um, The Long Chips. Right. And it was a British production as well as a Yugoslavian production it was in Technocolor. <laughs> Zach, write these down, please, bro. So yeah. we can put it in the The Long Chips, yeah. Yeah. So that gives a small glimpse of like, um, you know, another story to do with, that's been dramatized, you could say. Can, I, can I ask you to do something for us, please? Yeah. Can you put in perspective, yeah? So how how long was how long was Muslim Islam in Europe for? It's always been there. I know, I know. I'm, okay, so I mean, it's like the earliest Muslim connection. Yes, the earliest, to do the with earliest England. Um, no, no, no. Okay, so let me put it this way: at this moment in time, uh, the modern world. How, how long has the modern world existed? So you you look at. Um, it's from the Victorian times, right? From industry. But, I mean, look, the other thing is, yeah. you know, there was Sahaba who were from Europe as well. Yeah. So, hey, so Rumi, we, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rumi, yeah. So when we, uh, there was clothing that came from Europe as well that reached the, um, the, the time province or someone as well. So, I mean, when you look at um, the Muslims' connection to do with Europe, um, it goes back to the beginning. But, you know, even if you look, go to the time of, or, or the year of um, 700 and... Seven hundred and around about one hundred and forty-one years of the death of Prophet Muhammad. Some seven hundred and seventies. That's when we even had the earliest Muslim connection to do with Prophet uh, um, the Muslims and England, which is at the British Museum, but what, it's unconnected to do with the the Islamic Gallery. 
And there's no notice to say it's, the, so it's what, there. What is it? That is to do with a gold coin, which is like an imitation of a dinar. Um, and um, that relates to an English king called King Offa, um, Offa Rex. And Rex is Latin for king. And King Offa himself, he was a major king of, uh, um, of his time that had like, the most land, you could say. Okay. And um, it was a king of Mercia. One part of his boundary was that um, between Wales and England, and he built what's called Offa's Dyke, and some rem remnants of it does exist. If one person walks from, one, uh, uh, from the bottom to the top, it would take 11 days to... Uh, complete the wall. That's how he built that defense, you could say. He is, he's supposed to have built um, defenses against the Vikings as well. But where he gets this some um, secret claim of like well, not many people know about is that he did create a coin that had the Shahada on it, very crudely written, but it was an imitation of a gold dinar. And that was because um, if, if you look at history during that time, is that, you know, today that the currency of the trade is largely the dollar, although some countries are dropping that now, uh, what you also find that um, the currency of the trade trade in the Mediterranean of that time was the dinar. So some people suggested he had to be, um, do, do, um, you know, trading with the Muslims as well. If that was Mus uh, people of um, Al-Andalus so as how well. How long after Rasulullah passed 141 years. So not, well, not that's that, the that earliest. Wow. Yeah. So that's Anglo-Saxon period, if you like. Yeah. You know, I've met uh, Muslim school children at, who go to Muslim schools, and I know their teachers because they know me. I bumped into them at the British Museum once, and I said, oh, what are you doing here? Because oh, we came to learn about Anglo-Saxon. I go, oh, that's good, good. And um, did they teach you about the Muslim connection, connections at the Anglo-Saxon times? And I said, no. I go, okay, do you want to know where the earliest Muslim connection is and where the Anglo-Saxon connection is? I go, it's in here in the British Museum, but they've not taught you that. So even you may go to these destinations to get educated about Anglo-Saxonism, if you like, in terms of uh, the British Museum, the staff there are not going to mention um, the Muslim connections there. Why? This is during the same time. And you're you just taking a Muslim school. Do you think it's ignorance or do you think it is? It is part of that, but it's also yeah. you're just presenting a certain element of history and you don't want and to... also a narrative uh, as well. Yeah, narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you don't want to reveal everything. And sometimes I have to be honest, um, you know, from what I've um, found is that workshop leaders and teachers, they are actually, uh, um, you know, pretty lazy. Once they've got done their uh, um, their um, lesson plan, that's it. They won't um, but they don't have a, budge they, from there. They don't really have a... Um, no, they don't have knowledge of it, right? Knowledge or like a, a reason to. Because I think it's just a generic workshop. So why, yeah. why bother? Yeah, Although they know the Muslim schools come in, but yeah, fine. We don't need to teach about the Muslim connection, but that's because we don't know about it. So and, um, what, what do you say, what do you say the, what reaction do you get when you, so for example, when I speak to people sometimes, non-Muslims, yeah. and I tell them about Islamic history, my, my very crude knowledge of it, um, from my, from, from what I've read, it's like you get this blank stare, like you're, like you're telling them fiction almost, like yeah. they, they don't connect it in their head, like. Like when I, when we say that, for example, Moorish Spain was eight hundred years, like it it lasts for eight hundred years. Yeah, that's like think about it. if if you took to this point, eight hundred years back, how many, where, where would we be? It's like a I, don't know, I can't do the maths. Roughly in the twelve hundreds. The twelve hundreds. So think about that. Yeah, <laughs> but like, the, the thing is, but they they I don't know. I just feel I just feel like they don't they don't quite comprehend. Because, but, but you can't come from this angle. My, my honest truth is go on, the no, reason I'm, why yeah, go on. is because 
we love to speak about Muslim Spain. Yeah. Um, you know, I belong to a few, a few WhatsApp group. People are saying we've got to teach the West about Muslim Spain, Muslim Spain, Muslim Spain. What we gave, gave the West. I'm thinking, you know, here we go again. We were part of the West. We have been part of the West. Don't actually d d differentiate us, basically. From, don't yeah. take us out from there, number one. Number two, during that time, yes, you know, we were a leading civilization then, you could say. But what's happened in the last 500 years, it stopped. Yeah. 500 years yeah. ago, when we lost Muslim Spain and Andalus, it stopped. I go, what's happened there for 500 years? We've made contributions to world civilization, except we're not learning, we're not celebrating it, and we don't want to showcase it. To be honest, there's many other examples where I've done the research. I found other people who've done breakthroughs, Muslims who've done breakthroughs. I approached Muslim TV stations. TV so I had one-to-one -one meetings in their own offices. I said, let's do a documentary about this person. You know what they say to me? We're not interested. Let's do a documentary about Islam's contribution to world civilization. I got that's been done and dusted how many times? Yeah. So, you know, even when we carried out some polls as well, the Muslim community blamed the Muslim media for not showcasing new knowledge and still being stuck in the past. Yeah. So we are to be blamed for the problem. They said the imams themselves are to be blamed as well. How many of our imams know about our own history in Britain? But I, I don't know. But these are the people who are in the pulpits, they say. Yes, we're telling the examples from the Sira, from the Sahaba, and some old examples from here, there, and wherever. When are we going to be, when are our imams going to be start teaching about our history in Britain? There are valuable lessons that can be learned. I'll give you a classic example. Yeah, you remember in the 1990s, yeah? yeah? yeah. They were, we had all these um, um, uh, Jamaats, basically, who adopted the Arabic name or doing transliteration. You had one group this, one group that, yeah, one yeah, group yeah. this. They were all, um, you know, Arabic names they were. But, you know, they said they were giving doubt to the non-Muslims. And you think to yourself, hold on a minute, but the non-Muslims have no idea what, what um, uh, these names mean. Yeah, yeah. But this was already... Uh, resolved by the Victorian Muslims who were here in Britain. You know, they started off with these uh, quote-unquote Arabic names, but what they did, then they translated their names and they realized they were making mistakes. They translated it into the English equivalent and then adopted that in English name. So give me an example. What kind of... Uh, so you had a, 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 um, you know, organization called Anjuman Islam, Service to Islam. That's what it became afterwards. No. Uh, we need it well in uh, Pakistan. They are okay, right, right. Uh, but they have no idea about the English. Uh, sorry, the the English branch that used to exist here in Trafalgar Square. So, do you feel like um, there's a disconnect? So, for example, you've got you've got mm -hmm. you've got the immigration that happened, for example, in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, it's yeah. so a new wave of immigrants coming in from the Commonwealth mostly. From the yeah. Commonwealth, yeah. So the West Indies, Africa. Mm. Uh, Bangladesh, I could, uh, and all that. Bangladesh didn't exist then, but Okay, yeah, sorry, know. East Pakistan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you got before that, which is the Victorian Muslims that were there. Yeah. There was an and, indigenous uh, Muslim well, population. Indigenous. So what happened in that period there then? Well, we we were a uh, number of reasons. We lost the the Khalifa basically in the 1920s. Right. So the Ottoman uh, Empire fell. Ottoman yeah. Empire fell. Yeah. Um, you know, you had... Um, you could say we always had uh, the two world wars between then as well. Yeah. But it was a moment in history where the Muslims um, themselves were disconnected amongst themselves. And even if you look at, uh, you know, there were splits within the Ummah as well. And that's something we, we don't seem to uh, um, know, you could say. You know, if you look, for example, um, at the 1800s, there was um, uh, 
Nelson, um, he fought the French in Egypt, at the Battle of the Nile, they call it. Okay. Although some Egyptians claim there's no, there's never been a Battle of the Nile. It depends what history they get towards. Or, <laughs> but um, it, it did happen. And, um, you know, Ottoman Sultan Selim III, he thanked Nelson for stopping um, the French from occupying Egypt, when in reality the French were using Egypt as a shortcut to get to India because they were allies with Tipu Sultan. You know, the, the legendary uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, freedom fighter who was fighting the British. So one hand you have the Ottomans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but what's you notice here that two different sides. The, the Indians um, in um, India were on the uh, side of the French and fighting the Britain, the British occupiers at that time, East India Company, for example, yeah. whilst um, the Ottomans were allies of, um, of Britain. And Nelson was a friend of the Ottomans, so much so that even the um, Sultan Selim III rewarded him with medals and some other um, gifts as well. So what was the relationship between the Ottoman Empire? And Britain. And Britain. There's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, so be before, yeah, because before, so I, I remember watching, um, you know, do you, remember, you, you know, uh, what was that um, channel, the YouTube channel, Islamic? Uh, Ilm? I, 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 ILM. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I remember, I, I didn't even know Dr. this. Steph. That's, for, that's correct. Masha, they're doing amazing work, man. Mm. And um, like they were talking about, um, they asked the, the, the last Khalif, basically, because he sided with the Germans, right? Mm during the second world, was it second world war or first, first, first world, world war? And he goes, my biggest mistake was siding with the Germans. That he goes, they, they asked him, what would you do if, again, I might be completely I mean, just, just this. to slightly give a more context, there were yeah, Ottomans please. in Britain at that time as well. Right. And they were um, reclassified depending on where they came from. And so you know, you Alexandra Ottomans, Palace as well. Turks? Turks was a separate category. Turks had to be interviewed to see what side they could be um, labelled on. And, what you know, you um, in terms of they were interviewed to see if they're going to be interned, for example, on the Isle of Man. Isle of Man had Ottomans on there. Well, that's uh, new to me, bro. You know Ali Pali, as they say? Yeah, Ali Pali. Yeah, Alexander yeah. Palace, they had, yeah. they, they had Ottomans there imprisoned as well. Why? Because of the enemies, aren't they? Enemy of the state, as I said, because they were. So what were they doing there in the first place? No, they're already uh, um, uh, living oh, here in Britain. I see. So since that, when so when Ottomans side with the Germans, they had to interview these. They had to interview the Turks to find out what side they were on. They also had then Syrian Ottomans. You had Armenian Ottomans as well, and Jewish Ottomans as well. Wow, I didn't know that, man. Where where was the prison? You had the Isle of Man as well. There's some research that's happening there. I mean, I did actually I did actually make communication with the people leading the research project there, and I asked them. Do you believe there could have been a mosque there? And I said, we've not found any evidence that there was a mosque there, but um, it's a good possibility there could have been if there were Muslims there as well. So Turks it was like a concentration camp almost? Almost, you could yeah, say. Like yeah. what the Japanese had in, um, what the Americans no, had in the No, not I would say uh, um, that type, because even like they were, some of the buildings they were living in do still exist. So right. they're now hotels, you could say. Okay, right. right, right. But um, yeah, it, they obviously they were taken away in different localities and um, Isle of Man was one of the So this narrative that's been spun that, Muslim immigration, quote unquote, is something that just happened in the nineties or the or the well, 50s. after the Second World War. That's a common yeah after the uh, line World that War. people say, especially yeah. the Islamophobes love to do yeah. and say, "My grandfather fought for the war and this that." Well, I'm thinking, well, hold on, it so did other people's grandfathers, but yeah. you don't hear about it. And that's something else. Why I have 
at times uh, been asked by local authorities, do I cover Muslim contribution to, to the two world wars, any of the monuments, etc.?" And I'm like, well, here we go again. <laughs> and I go, you know, I just say clearly no. And they're like, well, why don't you cover that? I go, why do I need to cover that? I go, that's not only what we've actually contributed to Britain. You know, there's ma many, uh, although I do actually cover um, different stories relating to that, you could say, like Noor Inayat Khan, et cetera. Who's Who? Noor Inayat Khan. She was a female radio operator. She was a descendant of Tibu Sultan. So sometimes she gets classified as a spy princess, but she used to live on the same road as Abdullah Quilliam in Bloomsbury. Yeah. So and one second, she was a what? Ready? Radio operator um, initially, but then she was parachuted into- what, Sorry, what's a radio operator? Um, sorry, uh, working behind enemy lines, uh, lines in France. Uh, France right. um, when it was occupied by uh, Nazi Germany. Right. Uh, she was parachuted in there and she was uh, a spy basically. And um, she was shot dead after she was taken to Germany because she wasn't prepared to give up the names of the British, of our British agents. And she's been popularized in the film. Um, she has now a blue plaque as well. She Muslim? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Is it this lady here, yeah? Yeah, that's a Nui Night Khan. And she was actually trained to be a radio operator. You know, if you come out of Baker Street where, tube station. Where is she from? Um, Pakistan. She's Pakistani. Pakistan didn't used to exist oh, at that course. time. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she was actually born in Russia, but she grew up in France. She, she came to Britain. Her father was an Indian. Her mother was American, white American. Right. And they were, uh, the, um, and, um, you know, she, 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 her father was a descendant of Tipu Sultan. And they used to hold like what they call Sufi circles, you could say, uh, um, congregations yeah. uh, um, in Bloomsbury, a golden house as well. But she, there was a possibility that she did meet um, Abdullah Quilliam as well, because they were uh, momentarily on this, um, well, the houses were on the same road, but there's a crossover in terms of the, the where they could have potentially met as well. And the gardens across where she used to live, there is a, what's called a bust of her, like a half um, statue. Yeah. But that's her, she has a, she's um, one of only, she, in fact, she's the first um, Indian Muslim woman to be given a plaque, a blue plaque. But in general, the Muslims themselves, they, we only have run about 13, 14 plaques in the whole of UK. And that's quite weak in terms of representation. Yeah. Extremely weak. And to get um, plaques, it's difficult. From there, uh, well, how, uh, what, what's what a would plaque? You have to, yeah, what, what would you have to do to kind well, of... Well, a, a plaque, plaque signifies or, or commemorates an individual or an event that's taken place that has some um, historical significance. Right. And you have local plaques. And sometimes you have like charity or civic organizations who have plaques as well. Uh, so for example, you could get Hammersmith and Fulham History Society puts up plaques. And those plaques will be different from the local authority, Hammersmith and Fulham local authority, different plaque uh, scheme. And then you have English Heritage, um, which um, they only issue 12 plaques in one whole year and there's a three-year waiting list so that one at the moment i've actually said to the london mayor's office needs to be brought back to his office as opposed to people who don't live in london uh, assessing these whole thing to do with um, plaques you know, blue plaques in london um so that's what takes place but there is a for example a sister a nikabi sister who has um the local authority has agreed to give her a plaque Wow, how come? Um, because I'm I, I'm one of the panelists. You're one of the panelists. Panelists. Yeah. Uh, I was invited to join the local authority um, plaque scheme For to be one of the assessors. 
and um, which local which local authority was Wolfen Forest. Oh, Wolfen Forest. Okay. And um, this was after I actually managed to get a plaque there for the site of London's first e press of 1894. So if you go to come out of Chingford Station, turn right up the hill, there's a Premier Inn Hotel or the Royal Forest Hotel. On there, it has a blue plaque to do with what's believed to be London, the site of London's first e 1894. And because of that, and my work to do a history on the borough, the local authority approached me and said, could I join that panel to be this, one of the assessors for, um, um, you know, assessing who should, who should from the Black and Asian community be given a plaque. And yeah, um, yeah that's the that's the venue, yeah. Uh, but there is a plaque just to the left of it as well. We had um, the mayor there and we had about probably up 70 people turned up and that's quite huge um, for an unveiling of a plaque. And I think if you want a picture of it, you can go to the, my Instagram page, Muslim History Tours, and find um, the picture there. But um, what happened, I mean, I think I was the only Muslim panellist as well. Certainly at that time, because I know somebody else actually became Muslim afterwards. And... Um, this sister was, uh, you know, uh, she was judged to be, uh, be given the highest uh, marks, you could say, for the, her contribution to um, the society, the borough, etc. But um, what happened was um, she had worked at a few mosques. And I first went to approach um, Masjid A, shall we say, yeah. for a plaque to go in the building. Um, kind of long story short, they said no. And I'm like, how come? Her husband was even the imam here and um, she was doing X, Y, and Z for the community. And um, the per per person who actually knew um, said, look, Abdul Malik, I, I want to give it. I don't know a problem, but the rest of the committee are saying no. So they went to another masjid, similar situation. And they said no as well. Went to another masjid and they said no. Went to another masjid and the person said, the head person said, look, I don't have a problem with this. And we need, you know, more Muslim as well as sisters and plaques going up. But the, the rest of the committee have said no. So internally, there's an issue. Mm. But do you know why? Um, you got an idea why? Sometimes people say, well, if we give one person a plaque, then we have to consider the other people. They will get upset and this, that, whatever. So, okay. you know, it's, it's, there's that, a bit of stupidity. I'm sorry that goes on. That's the plaque here. So it says there, um, this is the site. Um, this site was the location for the first known Eid prayers in London, 1894. Well, I didn't even know there was Muslims in there. Well, it's a shame, bro. That, those Eid prayers were organized by the Ottoman Embassy, as well as the Anjuman Islam um, Society. Um, they organized them because uh, there was a bit of split. Uh, with Woking Mosque, and even then, the founder of Woking Mosque, um, well, actually established Woking Mosque, um, Dr. Goodley Leitner, who was somebody born into the Jewish faith, whose parents' mother converted to Christian Protestant Christianity, and he, uh, Goodley Leitner, studied in the Madrasa in Turkey. And when I went to Turkey in um, November, December, I, I went to two of the places, the Madrasa to try to find some records, etc. But obviously the buildings have changed. Uh, but the people I spoke to who are connected to um, the institutions that exist there now, as well as some other people, as well as um, people who are of the Jewish faith um, living in um, Turkey and in the Jewish museum, they all agreed for him to have studied in the madrasa, he had to have been a Muslim. 
But he hid that when he came back or something. Uh, when he comes to England, I um, there's somebody else who's looked at his life as well, who realised his mother had um, Jewish um, heritage as well. He goes, and that's when he started looking at his Jewish identity part. And he goes, Dr. Gurdjieff Leitner seems to speak favourably about Islam, but he doesn't reveal. So he kept it hidden. We don't know. I don't no. like to say he was a non-Muslim. I'll yeah. Put it that way. I would say he was a, he was born Jewish. Um, his parents, his mother had converted to Christianity, Protestantism, um, Protestant Christianity. But I would never say Dr. Gordon Leitner was a non-Muslim because um, the more I've looked into his life, um, there does, it seems, there, are, there is a potential, a possibility he could have been a Muslim. You know what would be amazing, bro, Adam Malik? I, I mean, it's just like this, you know, hidden history in terms of what is, who that, are Muslims they, they, or whatever. That's a show, bro. It's like that, that thing, itself is a show. You know, on um, the Victorian line, you get King's Cross and what station is it? St. Pancras. Pancras. Yeah. Who was St. Pancras? I don't know, bro. You tell me, man. Pancras himself was somebody who was a um, practicing Christian or what we call today a practicing Christian. Some references say he was a zealous Christian. Right. And he was um, summoned to the Roman Empire because of his faith. And he was asked to sacrifice to other than God. And he said no. And he was uh, martyred, he was, due to his faith, his belief. And he was only around about 13 or 14 when he died. And 13 or 14 when he was, he, he was killed. Whoa. And this is before the Trinity. Yeah. Trinity was for, formulated 325 AD in the Council of Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey. Yeah, yeah. So it's before the Trinity. As Muslims, how do we uh, um, see the people who re remained upon monophysism yeah. before Trini the Trinity was formed? We see them as what? Muslim. Muslims. So this is before Islam as well? Well, before um, what uh, we, we call Islam today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. before the, before the, the birth of Rasul Sassan. Yeah. yeah, before the Trinity. Yeah. The Christians are the, who the existed before them, we take them to be Muslims. So Pancras himself is, you know, I would say was a Muslim. And this is part of our, uh, our part of our Iman, our faith, yeah. uh, Akidah as well. You could say we say that as well. And, you know, if you look at any picture or representational Pancras, He's always pointing with his forefinger up, which is the same thing, finger we hold up as well. And that's something I mentioned on the sightseeing tour bus, because you always go past the St. Pancras. I knew the attendees themselves, they want me to always repeat that um, part again, because they're fascinated. But why did they call him Pancras of Hey bro, Rome? look at his finger. Yeah. He's pointed up. There you are. It's the same finger, touch your finger. Four you finger. some Nasheed in the background, bro. That's um, really cool, man. But that, you know, I mean, you've got his Latin name there and it means the, the one who, uh, um, who holds something in his hand. Right. The one that um, holds everything, yeah. They did them off at 13? Yeah, around about that age, 13, 14. Oh, and it's before the concept of the Trinity. There's another story in the Quran about the, the Ghulam, the boy. Similar story. About the boy and the king, you remember the yeah, story? Yeah. Similar kind of story, right? Yeah. Where he was called to the king and he, the king told him mm. to... Surah Buruj. Yeah, Surah yeah, Buruj, exactly, bro. SubhanAllah. Um, and what about this? Cause this is another thing. I remember finding out quite young about this, that the, Eng, the 
I don't know what the term is. I think it's the anglo size. Uh, the when you they, they they take Muslim figures and give them English names. The scientists. Yeah. So, oh. for example, Ibn Sina became yeah. Abyssinia. Abyssinia, yeah. Abyssinia. Who else? You had. But can you Google that, please, bro? There's a list of. Um, uh, what about. Not Ibn Khaldun. Uh, Ibn Rushd was another one. What was his English name? Latin name, sorry. Uh, Avaros. Right. Yeah, so but there's even is... like even names in English society. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, in the 1100s, 1200s. They, they've used the Latin names. Yeah. And there have been researchers who have said that they are reali in reality Muslim names. Can you, can you think of any? Uh, there's a place in Wiltshire. Um, there's a, I'm trying to remember his name, Professor Morris it was. He looked at a couple of names where he actually identified one name to be Abu Bakr and the other name escapes me at the moment. But, you know, close by, you, you do have um, Salisbury Cathedral as well, which is in Wilkshire, yeah. which has, um, it said, uh, Arabic numerals in the beams as well. Yeah. And people often wondered how do those um, Arabic numerals appear there? And they're what? aged back to that time as well. You know um, the name Moore? Yeah. Like Roger Moore. Is that... Uh, well, uh, it depends which way you take Spell it from. It. The original... Um, uh, it's a shortened version of the term uh, Blackamoor. Blackamoor meant somebody who came from Muslim Spain oh, Moros or, North, as well, or, isn't it? or North Africa, you yeah. could say. What's it called? Black? Blackamoor. And I mean, it's like, um, you know, King Henry VIII. A lot of people don't know this. King Henry VIII had a Blackamoor working for him. And because he's, um, his image does exist where he's wearing a turban as well. And um, he's the only, he was a, tr uh, a trumpeter. And um, he, he himself, his, his name was, believe it or not, John Black. And um, so this predates even slavery as well. Because a lot of people think when black um, people came to Britain, it was only through yeah, yeah. slavery. They said, no, this predates slavery. But he was around so and used to work. Do you know what kind because of Because he was wearing a turban and it was known that he came from North Africa. So there's a possibility, yes, he could have been a Muslim. So he came over with um, Queen, um, what's her name? It escapes me at the moment. Uh, Queen of, uh, of Aragon, basically, she came over, he came over with. And... Um, was he uh, fill out an application form or something? How did he? <laughs> How did he get over? He was over? at service with um, with someone. What does that mean? He was service. working basically for a, a, um, a, a was number. it servitude or is it more kind of like a profession? It was a profession. He was a trumpeter. Catherine right. of Aragon. He was yeah. Catherine. Catherine, Catherine of Aragon. This. Yeah. But where's John Aragon, Black. bro? I want to go there, bro. The, 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 Lord the Rings. was Spain. Oh, where? Spain. She was a queen from who came from Spain. So Aragon means Spain. No, no, no. That was her name. Whose name? Queen, the, uh, Queen um, Aragon. Oh, and, Aragon um, was her name? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought uh, Aragon was a place. And what happened was that, you know, John Black was her um, trumpeter and came over mm -hmm. here as well. But then if you, knew, if you look at King George's as well, they had uh, Muslim servants as well. But the Muslim servants in this case, they actually converted to Christianity, it was said. Right. And their names were Muhammad as well. And this is in the 1700s. These are the names. Look, uh, Ibn Sana, the father of medicine, is known as Avancina. Avancina. Yeah. Yeah, Al Khawarizmi. His name is, uh, became Algorithmi. Oh, that's where algorithm comes from. Yeah. So a lot of these names, but they get another factor to remember this is only up until the time of Muslim Spain.
Yeah. What happens after Muslims, man? Yeah. Again, yeah. That's I was to ask you: Can you can I, you name me a scientific you. contribution the Muslims have done after the loss of Muslim Spain? It's the key question I asked. So what, 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 after, the tours, so the the, and what was the last? When did Muslim Spain? Uh, 1497 Granada, basically. So okay. it's off to five, uh, 1500. Let's say 1500, yeah? yeah. So what happened after? When was the Industrial Revolution? 1800s, right? When was what? Industrial Revolution. Ah, oh, you, you've been very much British educated. So I'm a product of my environment. I'm oh, trying gosh. to deprogram you. That's why you're here, man. He's been institutionalized. <laughs> I've been institutionalized, bro. man. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what would you call it then? Depends which part of the world you're in. Well, I get, okay. Everywhere else it's used modernization. Okay, modernization. And only in Britain we use the word industrialization. Why is that? It's to do with terminology. Because if I said to you, Egypt became modernized, modernized in the 1800s from, through Muhammad Ali. Yeah. What was the opposite of modernization? Yeah. yeah. What's the key word that comes to, to your mind? Uh, uncivilized, well. Yeah, or backwards basically. Back, we've been yeah. backwards. Uh, but you see that, that's how you you think society was. And through uh, British steam powder, power, etc. That's how in, you know countries started to become modernized. It's a bit like if I say to you, um, this is one you might know. When um, other countries, people from other countries go to other countries, what are they seen as? Immigrants. Immigrants. However, when British people go abroad, what are they seen as? Expats. Exactly. That bothers me, man. Yeah. But, <laughs> that if was I go, one. but if I go abroad, I'm still an immigrant, bro. Even though I'm, I've got a British passport. <laughs> I mean, the British have got a, one, a, a way of Same words. Pirates and privateurs. A what? Pirate. You know, like you might, you think you might learn at the primary school here about the pirates, etc. Yeah. I mean, I was taught about the pirates, but I was never taught who the pirates were. They were Muslims. Yeah, they were Muslims. Yeah, yeah. yeah black beard, brown beard. They yeah. were European Muslims. Barbarossa, as well. and, Barbarossa uh, as well. and the corsairs who were who were actually yep. paid. They were like what the the Russians are, are doing now in, in Ukraine, paying these like Blackwater. Basically, it was like Blackwater yeah. and mercenaries. That's where who the the corsairs. I mean, you're right? originally from Algeria. Have you heard of Algerian rovers? What's that? They were supposedly the pirates who actually occupied British land. Yeah, I heard in sixteen hundred. Well, I don't know if you heard one of our podcasts, bro. Um, we went through the whole. Bur- I say went through in our in a in a. We skimmed past. We skimmed. It, yeah. We talked. There was a, there was a story about a woman. Did you do you have you heard of this story about a woman? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> Let me get there. Let me get there. So this woman, she was a journalist and she was doing research about, she heard, she's from Cornwall. Mm. She heard one of her ancestors was kidnapped by, by pirates. Mm-hmm. So she was doing research and long story short, she found herself in Morocco. Yeah. And she, she ended up getting married to a, a Berber guy and she settled there. But, um, so this is when, what I found out is they used to come to England and just rob women, bro, and 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 well, it was just well, raid. You raid, you raid, yeah, you should, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's yeah. an island in the Bristol Channel called yeah. Lundy Island, yeah. And this was used as a staging post, you could say. Ottomans refer it to as a naval regional base, right? Say. They did raid Algerian rovers, and Ottomans did come there in different times. First, periods. one second, brah. Well, carry on. <laughs> That's for my Algerian rovers. Okay. <laughs> 
thought, I thought I did something to do with a woman. But no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. no that's that one. Okay. But yes, they used to come to Britain and, um, you know, these were, they were also um, Jan Johnson, Murad Raiz. Who be, uh, Jan Johnson was a Dutch um, a Muslim who yeah. converted to some had a wife in uh, um, Holland and one in um, in Morocco. Top G. In Sicily. Shout Sicily, out to Jan Johnson, bro. And um, he used to come to Britain. England at that time and he used to raid places as well on the 1001 inventions timeline yeah. um, it makes mention of um, the, of these Muslims coming and um, attacking this village and uh, um, you know kidnapping the people basically yeah, taking yeah. them back however this village when I looked it up I couldn't find it I really dug deep pulled out old maps church records everything just parish records as I said to locate this village it didn't exist it was based upon rumor and i did tell one of the professors involved in that 1001 inventions um you know this point is not uh, you know it's based upon rumor mm. and it can't really be used because it, the rumor was based upon somebody who was summoned to court and he goes i had heard that this had taken place right right, right so it's right. not factual it's just right. some, you know as he says it so. yeah yeah so there is that but then what um you have as well is that Jan Johnson or, or Morat Rais, as we say, um, he had a um, a concubine in Morocco, um, right. and they had a son, and um, the son was called Antonio Saley, and he made it to what uh, today is New York, and um, what happened was that even his will is in. Um, is in uh, the New York archives as well. And he's Muslim there. The people were calling him a Turk. Right. And this person is also mixed heritage. He doesn't make even all these stories about, um, you know, uh, Muslims in Britain, uh, Muslims in America in the 1600s, which is quite odd. He doesn't make the, it. He doesn't mean? make it. He's not mentioned. But in the Brooklyn uh, um, archives, he's was there. And, um, but you know, he was there. He kept a Quran with his um, signature in it as well. And that got given to his descendants up until the 1900s when the people in the 1900s didn't know who Antonio um, Saley was and they just auctioned off the, their oh, um, yeah, the Quran. And then one of the descendants is, in fact, um, you know, your favorite city, um, Casablanca? Yeah. 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 In Morocco. Yeah. Dal Beda, we call it, bro. Okay. And um, what's the famous film that was made there from uh, by Hollywood? Of all the places in all the world and all the, you had to crawl into it. Was it that one? Which Humphrey Bogart? Yep. Yeah. He's his descendant. No. And it's called Casablanca. So he's only returned to his roots, you could say. But did he know that? Probably didn't. There is even a CNN reporter. Um, he That's realized nuts, he's a bro. descendant of him as well. Uh, hey, you know what? My mind's been blown like 15 bro, you times. Know, you know, the breath. Allahumma barik, bro. You got. But he needs his own show, bro. He does, bro. Honestly, you need your own show. I'll actually pay to listen to it as well, bro. Bro, if we can do anything together, I'm being serious, bro. This is like oh, God on his truth. We just put a mic in front of you. We've got the cameras. And you got a radio voice, bro. You got that voice. We can. Bro, uh, this is an open invitation, bro. We'll talk about it off air. But sure. honestly, I think it's quite interesting because. Like, I was going to say to you, um, like, you know, who do you think you are? No, no, as in... Yeah, the BBC program, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the way he looked at me, he's like, what are you talking about, bro? No, no, I knew he was referring <laughs> okay, to you. Okay. Is it called Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah, yeah. the BBC program. So yeah. I, I was watching it the other, um, a few years ago and they did Dot Cotton, you know, from EastEnders. Yes. And you know, she's Algerian. I don't remember though. I know she got Jewish heritage. Jewish well, Algerian yeah. heritage, bro. Yeah. 
And to be honest, that's when I learned the word sadaka they use as well, to mean sadaka as well, charity. Yes, yes. Oh, the, the Jews use the same word? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? I watched that probably about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a while back. It's a while back. But her, she's from Wahran. Yeah. Um, in, uh, well, um, in, um, in East, Af East, yeah. East Algeria, yeah. So, like, so look at the connections. But there's not enough. I mean, if we had a, if we had a show... If, if, if some sort of programming, yeah? Because Muslim TV shows, yeah? Muslim TV. They don't cover this. They're too slow. TV yeah. in general, not just Muslim TV. TV in general, bro. It takes time to get something together with them. It's, it's about changing their mindsets. Yeah, but I've why said, I presented to them. But, but uh, you know, I'm saying, look, this is what the audience wants yeah. and you guys are not producing it. Yeah. Because we're not, to be honest, in terms of our research skills yeah. for media, Muslim yeah. media, it's mostly copy and paste yeah, or yeah, dubbed, yeah. redubbed, yeah, basically. Yeah. But with the manic, we've got our own platforms now, bro. Like, we have to make our own platforms, bro. Where are they? But I, told I mean, you today we're now. here, yeah, today we're I just here. told you, you're here now, but we've got the cameras. Like, we could do something, monetize it in some sort of way. Why not? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, I would listen to it. Bro. I would listen to it. There's that uh, podcast called Serial. Have you heard of it? Serial? Yeah, mm. S-E-R-I-A-L. Very good, bro. Very, very good. Oh, Zach, you, you're listening to yeah, it, right? Yeah, well, what's it about? It's about that guy... Um, Adnan Sayed that's in prison in Baltimore. He he killed apparently he killed his ex girlfriend, uh Korean girl. But he says he didn't do it. So it's, now, it's like a uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So he, that, he, that kind of you don't mind me saying that's something a similar well, there's like there's one of the locations on the tour, Central London tour, which is the most popular tour I have, and um we stop at a particular location yeah. where there's a statue of somebody who's a Christian and um I hope that's not your belly. That's the bottle. That's the bottle. <laughs> Is that the bottle? Yeah, it's the oh, bottle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Carry on. And, carry on. Um, um, uh, as I said, there's a woman, basically, a statue of a woman. And um, she said that um, she was killed by a Muslim. Right. And um, I've tried to look into the story about this, you know, how she was killed. She was a Muslim, yes, but she became Christian. Right. And she was found in the, uh, killed in the 1960s in Pakistan, in the villages of Pakistan. So in the village of Pakistan, and it was um, I've tried to look into this, you know, in terms of how she was killed, but I don't know. She, all I know, is she was killed by a Muslim fanatic. That's it. So kind of similar yeah. to that type of story, yeah, like basically. who who done it? Type yeah, thing. it how did it happen? Oh, sixties. Oh, yeah. So this journalist is it a journalist that? Yeah, Sarah Koenig. So is it a journalist? Yeah, yeah, she's a journalist, and and she she's basically. Um, she she, she basically works. she basically built up the case again because there were so many hidden. Uh, evidence that wasn't shown yeah. and then she brought it to light basically and now he's having like a retrial and then another retrial and now they're, they're pushing to do like a new DNA analysis of like advanced like, DNA basically he's still trying to get out and he's he's pleading innocent so I'm saying to you if we did like a we produce it a Muslim history tour like show honestly bro Mohammed um, Abdul Malik yeah so you, you literally you would go, it's imagine like a virtual tour, but in episode format. Do you understand? Mm. Like you could do Britain, you could do Turkey, you could do whichever. Like you just need someone to produce it, right? That's why you went to the, that's why you went to the, to the, to the TV stations, right? Yeah. Well, I just yeah. said to them, you know, um, it's new content. Yeah. But I think you'll, you'll, more people will see it if it's on YouTube. I think that would be the case. And now TikTok as well. TikTok's yeah. overtaken and then clips, And then clips, bro. You, you, you short videos. The, yeah, yeah, short videos. Clip. But That's I'm what saying, I'm doing. I'm producing short videos But I'm saying 30-minute well. show. 
20 minute show. Wow, 10 episodes, it. season one, season two, season three. Trust me. I would watch it. I would make my, my kids watch it. Imagine gathering. Well, I, 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 I wanted this podcast to, so, so people, to, to bring people together, right? To, to, to actually sh- show stories. The whole point of, of the studio that we're building is to highlight stories that not, not necessarily anyone's highlighting. You're doing that. Yeah. Does well, that make 99% sense? 99% yeah. of the stuff that you brought up, like, I, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had no idea. But the idea. thing is, you also have an, a, a very good um, way of narrating. That's yeah. it's, look. There, there's there's people out there that do, have doing making content, but they don't have both, right? They don't have the passion, or they don't have the. I mean, the topic itself, I find, is largely within academia. Mm. And um, you know, my fellow historians, they know uh, academics. They know that the audience I like to do is lay public. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, what we need, um, bro. You know, myself, I'm, I am writing a children's book as well about yeah. the topic. This is, it's not aimed at Muslims, it's aimed at school children. I'm the man to talk off air, bro, honestly. Like, and I'm I'm just doing it for the, I would, I would love to be involved. If you want us to be involved, we get other people involved to make it more of a, we can speak to other people who who, who have experience in shooting shows and stuff like that. We have the, we have the equipment, do you understand? Mm-hmm. Like it could just be you on, in, on a chair. Literally, like, and, and you talking into the mind, you have something prepared over a few episodes and we'll just test it out. And then we can use that and you can push it out in your, on your platform, make small clips from each thing. Like for example, this episode, Imran's gonna make a few clips. There's so many gems, bro. So many, so like, many you gems. What I'm saying? So, um, I know obviously our platform is geared towards men. I say men, it's it's more for martial, martial arts, like life and all this stuff. And, okay. but. But it's, but it's, it's here's a question. Though. Yeah, go on. Go on. It's geared towards men. Go on. The vast majority of people who come on my tours are females. Is it? Not men. So what, why, why aren't men coming, bro? I'll ask you the question. <laughs> do you offer food, bro? <laughs> well, I do have an eat cruise coming up. I'm just going to have buffet brunch. But let's, let's market it towards the men, bro. Maybe the marketing is not, is not there, bro. My, the vast majority of the content is men. I'm speaking about men. No, 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 I'm saying. I mean, I just, I, it's generic advertising. Okay, I'm just I don't say to, for I'm sisters only. No, no, no. Although no. I am preparing a Muslim women's tour that looks at Muslim women mm. in history in Britain, in London. Yeah. That's a good point. Why have I, haven't I gone to your tour? But I think that the, f- f- it's the whole walking part. I mean, when people find out I'm single as well, and people say, well, hold on to me. I, you just mentioned that, you know, there's a, um, you know, majority of the people who come on your tours are, are sisters. So why are you not married as well? I'm thinking, <laughs> what you wanted to do? <laughs> well, that's not why you're doing it, is it? <laughs> exactly, bro. Um, I think they're just lazy, bro. Men are lazy. Bro. I, I'm the, honestly, I know. Well, there's one sister said her husband, who's a speaker yeah, as well. Yeah, we're lazy. We're lazy, I said that he thought I was going to be covering roles and war but what they saw was something completely different <laughs> yeah but he did eventually he did come uh, i remember he did actually join um uh, the sightseeing bus tour last year he did yeah it was a whole, the whole family came extended family as well but it's different when it's in the comfort of your own home isn't it? and you're listening to you just well i i I've, if you want to get maximum if you want to get to know the locality where it will happen you have to, go, happens, you have to yeah, be yeah, out yeah, there yeah, yeah, 100%. you know imagine speaking about um, what else could we choose? For example, the mega mosque of London. I could speak about it from here, put a few pictures up, but you wouldn't know. You, know, you wouldn't feel the same if it was if you were there in front of where it was. Yeah, I actually think you're missing a trick here, bro. Because if you had a show, more people will come to your walks, bro. 
because then they want to see it for their own, for themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And there is the other side, like somebody did yesterday who messaged me on LinkedIn yeah. asking me, oh, um, yeah, I, I come to, <laughs> you saw the status, okay. Go ahead, work, they go asked me, um, it's good, um, you, you know, you've featured in the paper and blah, 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 whatever. And they said, yeah. uh, I come to um, um, London quite often for work as well. Could you tell me a few of this, a few Islamic history sites, please? <laughs> What do you mean? Bro, that's his job, isn't it? Are you going to tell you for free over the, over this the whole thing? <laughs> that's happened, you know, on more than one occasion. But well, I just wrote back and said, look, the, the, this is the web link. You may want to book out a tour. I asked the question on social media and WhatsApp yeah. groups. Yeah. What do you think my reply should be? Yeah, yeah. People burst out laughing. <laughs> but so when you, I read it, I was cracking out. I was like, bro, are you taking It's the whole concept as well. Paying for something when it comes to knowledge. Yeah, of course. We have this course, tendency... Yeah. I hate to say it, that um, some of us do um, that when it's related to Islam or Muslims, it should, we should be free, be, it should be free yeah. or next to nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as a someone who's professionally qualified tour guide, I've studied for it. I was in fact the first Muslim in Britain to qualify as well, and it wasn't easy. Give that, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> again, again. <laughs> Well, you got to say it again. No, you got to say it again, bruv. You, so, so line it up again. I am Britain's first professionally qualified Muslim tour guide. Again, again, bruv. Sunnah. There you go, bruv. Definitely deserves that, bruv. What about explosion? We got an explosion? Nah, I ain't got explosion. Uh, no, not a beer Actually, even? <laughs> nah, no, bro. Actually, we should stay away from the explosions, bruv. Dude, what is it? Um, okay, that's actually a good segue into... Go on, go on. No, no, um, yeah. So, you know, this whole thing, some people have said that my, my rate of charging £30 for an adult for a tour is expensive. No, it's not. Is I that said it? It, It's £30, yeah. And I said, well, it's not. When you compare it as a specialist yeah. in his field, I'm charging far less than what people do on mainstream. Oh, just, just, uh, just so you know, I charge more when I build websites. And and £30, uh, how long is that? Uh, it could be an hour and a half. It could be two hours. It could be three hours. That's a morning slot. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, if it goes on to a day slot, it's still, it's still far less than what's, yeah. uh, um, what mainstream is supposed to do. And these are public rates that are available. Yeah. On the, you know, internet, you can find them out. Yeah, but they'll use other tools, though. They'll do other tools, but why not do this one? Muslims in general, believe it or not, from my experience, have not been on tours. I, I, they, I, I, they, they prefer to do what I call selfie tours. What's that? Take the old picture, you know, do your mobile phone. Oh, I've been here back in Paris. Tower Bridge, what they call London Bridge, sorry, I should say. And then they go this place. That's it. I've been that's on a one tour. tour. I've been on one tour in, in Portugal, in Sintra. And then that's it. Was it a guided tour? Nah, it wasn't. There you are. Why? Do Didn't you go on a guided tour? I don't think there was really. So what, what kind of tour was it? Um, it was just going around the, the, the moors... Um, yeah, but did they grave, speak about it? Did you go yourself? No, 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 I went by myself. It was just yeah. like a, a round, but there wasn't really... One second, one second. That's not a tour, bro. That's you bopping around. Yeah, I toured. I toured, didn't it? But you said I went on a tour. Okay, I went by myself on a tour with myself. <laughs> and okay. did you take a camera with you, your mobile phone? I took a camera. I took pictures, pictures of the grave. That's a selfie stuff. tour. Yeah. Yeah. Selfie tour. So I can I say something? But there isn't. There, over there, I don't I don't think there was a Muslim tour, to be honest, to tell you about the, the moors and that. Did you search for it? I probably didn't, bro. There you go. So he expects people just, oh, brother. You I want you to be there. Why weren't you there? Come on, be there, bro. <laughs> we need to get this, we need to get Abdul Malik out there, bro. But this is like the whole know. thing. You know, this is what I say to people, even doing the sightseeing bus tour, guided tour, groups or whatever. I was starting, how many of you been on a guided tour before? That's a general question. Vast majority of people don't put their hands up. 
Now, so how many of you have been on a Muslim tour abroad? The odd few have. Have they been on a black or Asian or general tour in Britain? Hardly anyone. So this is a you know mindset that we need to change. Mm. So here we're still talking about Muslim media changing, but it's ourselves that we need to change. Yeah. We need to start paying for guided tours. I think... Um, Why is it that we rush to go to Muslim Spain to do uh, Al-Andalus and Alhambra, etc.? Why is that? Yeah. Why don't we have that same first look in our history here? People don't realize that's completely disconnected. Yeah, that is. Um, you know, in the in sense, what, um, that's all I remember. You have local authorities who are paying um, Muslim organizations to take Muslim youth to uh, look at Muslim Spain. But they're not paying, for example, Muslim history tours to show children about their own history here, even though they're born and bred here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's 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 go into can you bring up League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, please, bro? Just a picture and just hold it, yeah. So um, you know, you said that obviously being a a tour guide, there's a process to become a certified tour guide. You don't just like just you know, set up a website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, there, so, there are there are some people. There who do are, that. but I'm saying you yeah. didn't do that, right? No. So just talk us I through. I started the- off uh, because I had the knowledge, so I started off initially as yeah. an unqualified tour guide. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to become professionally qualified. I always yeah. want to say that one step ahead, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And I, um, you know, but there is Islam. I experienced Islamophobia as no well. Way on the course. Um, In what way? By certain people, other students, if you like, coming out with certain statements and stuff like that. Whenever we... Do you want us to go sort them out? No, it's not fine. Are you sure, bro? (laughs) But it wasn't that, it was the public as well. I'll bang them up, bro. Um, Even, you know, what I experienced as well um, at certain locations, if you like. Give me an example, bro. For example... Be be open, uh, man. Yeah, no problem. Lincoln's Inn has a portrait of Prophet Muhammad's son. Who? Lincoln's Inn is where is a law school, right in um, um, near Holborn. You could say they have a, a portrait, full representation of Prophet Muhammad well, um, in the Great Hall. Yes, it's to do with um, the lawgivers, one of the lawgivers, and um, I went there, down there to take a look, you know, try to look at it or whatever. But then the security guards decided to jump me um, after I took a picture of the security guard, and um, you know, why did you take and, a picture of security guard? Because the way he was conducting oh, himself. Oh, right, right, right. And, uh, but little, little, little did I know, um, you know, what, what had happened um, in, um, in behind the scenes, if you like. Um, they made contact with the Tour Guiding Association. Because that day I just had my badge with me and I kind of like, you know, just showed it uh, in terms of trying to def- uh, said, uh, deflate the situation. Not deflate, um, diffuse the situation. Diffuse, yeah. And, um, but I shouldn't have done that, you know, to identify myself, to be honest. Um, should have picked up something else, but it, it did happen. And um, then they made contact with the Tour Guiding Association, the law school this is. And because what I had done, I had made mention of the person's name on my Facebook page and I exposed him. Which person? The, the guy who guide. attacked me. Right. And they said to the head of the tour guiding association, you tell him to take it off or we are our agreement with tour guides in terms of allowing tour guides to come on site will be called into question. So that's what happened. They ganged up upon me. And, um, you know, they, they even claimed to the police that there was no pictures or CCTV. 
Well, that turned out to be a lie because I managed to get hold of the um, pictures as well. So you had um, that happened as well. That was definitely Islamophobia. And what was real to me was that um, it slipped out by the main guy who was actually an ex-chief superintendent as well, uh, the, the tour guide association head, was that um, the reason why he uh, the security guards asked Facebook to remove the post because he was ex-army and I could be linked up to Islamic radicals. That's what he said. Wow. <laughs> so then I, it was the Tour Guide Association demanded me to take down the post. And I didn't, initially. Jeez. Did you, guess, did you get the spud? Yeah, I did. Uh, explore. Hadouken. Hadouken. And, and also... Dizzy, no bro. one ramps without the Malik Taylor, bro. But the, the thing is, you know, uh, I remember even on um, Iman channel, they had a um, program, I can't think it was an educational show. They were interviewing a, a barrister who qualified from Lincoln's Inn. So I thought, you know, let me ask him a different question. Oh, so you were there? It, it, no, no, this is something, some random brother who, oh, was, okay, a, right, right. who was a barrister who kind of like came out of uh, um, the Lincoln's Inn school, law school. I was asked, um, since you were, were there, um, is it true what people say that there is a portrait of um, um, the full representation of Prophet Nassim? And he kind of laughed it off. Did you get tasered after that one? No. <laughs> it reminds me, it reminds me of that guy that asked George Bush. Is it true? Have you said that? Have you heard that one? Yeah, he goes, is it true? You're part of the skull and bro uh, uh, crossbone society. And then, they, and, then, and then they just taser him. <laughs> 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 My question is, did you go in with that hat? Because no. I think that hat diffuses any situation. No, bro. this hat actually, um, when I became a tour guide, I always wanted to be identified as a Muslim tour guide. Yeah. Sometimes what happens is that tour guides themselves dress up. It's yeah. all part of their uniform, you could yeah, say. Yeah. And I thought initially of wearing maybe maybe like um the Moorish type of outfit, you know, uh, like Shavaka means big turban and yeah, plastic yeah, yeah. sword or whatever. Yeah. I thought that would be a bit too flamboyant <laughs> yeah. down central London, etc. You know. And um, and I thought it, it had to be the first hat. Yeah. Um, you know, this was the the, the headdress of the Victorian male Muslims yeah, yeah. during the time, and also the allegiance to the Ottomans as well. And I thought it has to be this. I know you've got the perfect head for it as well. Yeah. That, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I've tried, head, can I try it on? on can, I, can I try it on live? Do you mind? Perfect. Let me try it on. Just <laughs> get my hair out my face. <laughs> you looking to get married again? Nah, bruv. Never. <laughs> I'm happily married. What do you reckon, guys? Nah, you can pull it off better, bro. Do that spinny thing, bruv. Which ones? Yeah. Do what? 1864. <laughs> what do you reckon, bro? Can I pull it off? I could do. Just, just, so, do. just get your own face hat down. <laughs> yeah, I should. This is too, it's too. Is it too bit small? No, it's fine. Yeah. I think the red brings out my cheeks, man. <laughs> it's a nice it's hat, though, bruv. I love it. Circle level. Okay, for you. He's gonna go bleach it when he gets home, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk us through. Do you know the history of the fez hat? What, what, what? 
it was um, adopted by the Ottomans from uh, from, from Abdul uh, Abdul Majid the first. He wanted to what to call modernization. Who's Abdul Majid the first? Sorry, a Sultan Abdul Abdul Majid. Right, um, and he just thought, you know what, yo, get, get rid a of the bowl. turbans and go to the fez hat. But I want to know, like, what the design process was. Did he say to him, yo, listen, get at that bowl, yeah, <laughs> cut a circle and just stick that thing on, or did it come? Did he just come out of it? Uh, initially, it was only a ridiculous. part of society, you could say. It was already part of society. A certain parts of society. Okay, right. And then it gradually um, expanded to the rest of society, you could say. So that started but the in whole Turkey, part, yeah? Uh, yeah. The whole part of it was to um, get rid of the turbans and look more modernized in terms yeah. of like a European type of outfit, you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, back then they were big, massive turbans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, even if you go into the city of London, there are particular sites where you find images of um, of Turks with the big turbans as well that have been hidden away there that people don't know. But is it true that I read somewhere that um, a lot, there was a time where the Muslims were emulated with regards to fashion. Mm. It was seen that if you wore robes and yeah. it was almost like going to, you know, like, I don't know, uh, London Fashion Week, whatever, mm. you know, they'd go to... To, I don't know. There, there, was a, there were um, different times in history where non-Muslims would actually uh, be dressed in Muslim clothing. Mm. Like you're in Harry Potter, what's his name? Uh, Dumbledore. I have no idea who you're talking I'll about. I'll bring up Dumbledore, bro. So tell me this guy's not wearing a kamis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing a fez as well, but he's got a bit more glitter on it. Is bro. it the, the guy with the white beard? Yeah, him. Bring him up, man. Come on, bro. Jeez. Looks like can... He's ready for Jumar, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the hat is look, well. look at the hat as well, man. Come on. But, uh, in Europe, in the past, people were dressing in longer garments. Yeah, as well. yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so not everything was Muslim clothing. Of course, say. of course. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, but you know, there are certain things which were trendy at particular times, like bloomers, they call it. But these were- um, What's bloomers, bro? Um, knickerbockers, you could say. No. Is that the trousers like? Trousers, yeah, knickerbockers, you could say, like sometimes uh, underwear, you could say. Right. But that came from somebody called um, bloomers, but she she was, a, if I'm not correctly, American she was. But in terms of origin, it was like from uh, Muslim clothing right. itself. You so know, there's adapted. even like, yeah. But in, in origin, it was effectively Muslim right, clothing. Okay. You know, there's a lot of conversation with regards to niqab, whether it should be banned in Britain or not, but people don't speak about the veil that does exist in English culture that has existed there for about a thousand years. And that's the bridal veil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this was a practice which the Crusaders brought back uh, from the Middle East. No way. Yeah, they borrowed it or stole it, I should say. And, um, you know, that was a, a, something else. But that whole concept of the bridal veil doesn't get um, spoken about, which was predominantly um, through English history done by the English woman, the English non-Muslim woman. That's not part of the conversation. You know, now it's accepted as a norm to wear the garb, you could yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Can I ask you a question? Because we didn't get into that, that whole... Yeah, there's a face mask. Exactly, yeah. We didn't get into the whole you being inducted to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Bring up the video. Bring up the picture. In my eyes, you know, when you said to me, there's like an a, a, a tour guides association, that that's kind of like what came into my head, bro. These guys, 
Each one of them has got like a superpower, bro. He looks like a murmur, to be honest. A what, sorry? A murmur. <laughs> What's a murmur? Murmur was actually a character, which was um, as a form of Victorian entertainment, you could say. Right. And he, he would be a Muslim, effectively. Okay. And fighting... Um, He's a protagonist, basically. He was fighting, Not protagonist, sorry. Um, George. George? George. George, the patron saint of England. Okay. And, oh, King uh, George. King Who's also a Turk, by the way. Not King George. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm off track now. Sorry, uh, I'll George the Dragon. And George and the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, um, He um, was supposed to fight, fought him. He's actually um, England's most famous immigrant because he was half Turk and half Palestinian. Yeah. And um, he, this Muslim character is supposed to have uh, had battles with him as well. So that's what kind of get dramatized back in the past. But then if you go to Philly in uh, um, Philadelphia, in America, they have museums celebrating the, the moments and they have their marches, etc., whatever. People don't realize that they're actually Muslims within Muslim characters within them. Crazy. So some people suggested that that's how Morris Johnson kind of came out of them as well. Oh, okay. So that's something Can you Google murmurs, people? How do you spell it? M-U-M-E-R. Um, -E sorry, double M-E-R. Murmurs. And then, yeah, as I said, museums, you yeah. know. Even in Acton, I managed to find a locality where they were having their dr drama as well. That's sick. Is it similar to what the Spanish do? They do these like reenactments every year? Yeah. Uh, it's, in fact, it's kind of like died down in UK. It has. Although yeah. there are some parts where it's still dramatised, you could say. So what's the what's the purpose of these? Uh, is it to demonise? Oh, well, well, now it's entertainment, you could say. Yeah. Back in the past, it was to demonise... Uh, um, as well as, you know, the Muslims, anyone who was the enemy yeah. of the English people was to um, demonize. You know, and, and Philly itself has a large Muslim um, community. Yeah, it's one of the But they don't know about the, the yeah. Muslim connection to do with them. Okay, I thought there was something else there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they got Batman there though, and Joker. So it's like, it's like for example, the Mameluk, uh, you know that the, the derogatory term Mameluk? Yeah. Uh, the, the, if you watch, ever watch any Italian mafia films, so if 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 you're being an idiot, you stop being a mameluk. Or oh, that guy's a mameluk. Mm. Comes from the word mameluk. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you know this. But, yeah. Um, they were dressed. They were dressed in bright colors, right? Yeah. And mamluks. Who were the mamluks? What do you remember of them? So okay, he's gonna test me now. <laughs> were yeah, they <laughs> Caucasian slaves from, I guess, technically Chechnya, right? And that the Caucasus Mountains. He's not, he's but not, but I'm, I'm not there, am I? He's not happy. Look bro. it up, that's your homework. For that. <laughs> Allow me, man. Am I there though? Am I there? Oh, yeah, I'm not giving you any homework here, am I? That's something I do on the tours as well, okay, isn't it? But so, am I there yet though? I'm, I'm completely wrong, isn't it? You might be heading the right direction. Okay. <laughs> that's your homework though, isn't it? That's okay, fair, I'm going to check it. I thought I knew. Now he's, the, but, 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 he's made me doubt myself. All right, I'll check it. I'll check it, inshallah. But then, but then these guys are not going to know, innit? Well, you could tell them part two. <laughs> All right, plus, next episode, next episode, if I remember, I'll, I'll bring it up, inshallah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as I said, you know, the whole topic about um, Muslim history, yeah. especially in Britain, it's, mm. you can go on for days and days. I mean, I could even do a tour from West London, from Acton. Uh, Acton would take me three hours. Into Shepherd's Bush would take another four hours. Then into Holland Park. Oh, sorry. Sultan uh, Abdulaziz. <laughs> who came to Britain in 1867. He visited Holland Park. People don't know about that. You have Alamar Muhammad Iqbal, the famous poet, 
on the Indian subcontinent. He used to live in Holland Park, so no Shepherd's Bush as well. People don't know that. Guru, uh, um, the guy who translated um, Guru Nanak into the English language, is, and he had a Muslim servant. Again, Shepherd's Bush, Holland Park. Marmaduke Pickthorpe, born in where? Same location. Holland Park. Holland Park. But yet we don't know about this. And then was, you also have some of- modern day types of stories as well. There is, for example, you may recall um, a few years ago that there was a uh, Nikabi sister who had a, um, who tried to, attended a parents' evening at um, Holland Park School as well. And she wanted to sue the school as well. Um, so that in itself is history, as far as I'm concerned. As well, why? The school prevented her from wearing the niqab in um, the school that her daughter was wishing to attend when she went for parents' evening. And she asked to see the policy. There was no such policy. And um, she's a niqabi for many years. And she did look to sue the school as well uh, for that. Um, um, did she win? No, she didn't take it to a court because it could have set a precedence in terms of the whole oh, issue to right. niqabi yeah, schools. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that, but then you know, there's another Nikabi as well when it comes to looking at um Kensington Town Hall, RBKC, London Borough, the town hall there. Um, she said that um, she was ridiculed by the former mayor and, of, of what um, of, of um, RBKC Borough, and um, which completely shook her, and she was caught, um, you know, by other members of staff. And they recorded it as well, of what this um, this person was actually a French origin. Um, she was the mayor of the borough, calling her basically something along the lines of like, oh, you know, in terms of raising your children to become terrorists. Yeah. And um, she was completely taken back by that. Uh, so you have that story. That's probably now, I think, about four years old. So you have some recent history as well that gets covered as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, even from there, you can go slightly further down into um, the rooftop gardens in Kensington that do exist, that have been inspired by, um, how can we say, Moorish uh, um, or Islamic gardens, basically, that's what it turns out to be, on the rooftop. But who knows about them? Yeah. You know, you go further in, then you're into, um, what do you call it, you're into Hyde Park. You have also the Moroccan um, ambassador who's hunting in Hyde Park. You have the exhibitions that took place around there as well. You know, you have the stuffed Indian elephant that was used from a circus that took place there as well. It's part of that. You know, then you go more further in, then you're into almost um, Green Park, the Ottoman Museum that used to exist in the 1850s, where Hard Rock Cafe is now. Who knows about that Ottoman Museum? The original waxworks, as they say. Then you can go into uh, Piccadilly Circus. What's the Muslim connections there? You know, the film called The Message? Yeah. It was a, um, had its world premiere in, in 1976. That was shown there as well. Then you can go into Leicester Square as well. That's where that mega mosque used to exist during the Victorian time as well. Although slightly like until it got burned down again in the 1930s. Um, but that's that building looked like a mega mosque, but it was Alhambra Theatre. So a whole locality of central London can take about five to six hours. Why did it get burnt down? Uh, it was just one of those things that happened. Oh, it, it was an accident, so to say. Yeah. Right. But it look, from the outside, it looked exactly like a masjid with the dome, the minarets, the crescent at the top. You know, what about the Muslim connections to, to Trafalgar Square? 
Just to add, actually, I've been approached by the mayor's office for Eden Square that's going to take place on Saturday, the 7th of May. And I'm going to be running some free tours looking at the Muslim connections to do with Trafalgar Square as well. And there's more than five Muslim connections to do with Trafalgar Square. You have then, you know, you can have down the Strand, you can have into the city of London. That all itself can take more than one week. People just don't realise how much Muslim history we have. That's crazy, man. Ottomans in Britain, you know, um, again, that's um, first time I ran, it was about three and a half hours. Um, who would imagine you have Ottoman history in Britain? That, in fact, this year, inshallah, I'm going to be running a special Sorry. sightseeing bus tour as well, looking at Ottoman history in London. Sign me up, bro. I'm there. You got for your first. Uh... You're paying, yeah? Yeah, 100%, bro. Come that's on. Tough, bro. I didn't hear that part. You'll ask me. No, no, I'm going to pay that's you, bro. £60 already, bro. You bro, you got, bro. How much is it going to be? <laughs> I haven't worked out the Okay, when you work it out, I promise you, you've got my. Uh, I'll bring my kids as well, inshallah. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that three for one? Is it? No, no, no. Listen, I'll pay full price, bro. <laughs> so for me, I, I think, I think you touched on something there. Yeah? But how much do you think a normal sightseeing bus tour? I don't know, bro. Adult? I have no idea. Sixty quid a day, or I don't you know, know. A, a trip um, that's pre-recorded without live commentary that's run by sightseeing bus companies in London. What does thirty-seven uh, pounds plus? The hop on, hop off. Uh, yeah, thirty-seven pounds plus. But that's that's nothing though. Yeah, but you're not even getting a person that's telling you. You just put those headphones on. I'm, I'm saying on, to it? you, like, what you... I, I, I mean, when I, I set up my one, I had to, I went on them to listen to the commentary and, you know, find out how they were doing it. And I realised that the the commentary, uh, they were push-button for the different locations, were totally mucked up. Yeah. Can I say something, Abdelman? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm involved in business, yeah? Uh, we're, we're means like entrepreneurs. We've got businesses. And I think this is something that when I speak to Muslim you know, people who's, who's got businesses and stuff like that, and even the, the customers. And I think for, for, and I wanted to do a whole podcast on this. Yeah. And I think number one is our responsibility as business owners. Yeah. To provide the best product we can. That's, that's number one. Yeah. Not, um, because some of us have this mentality of because I'm Muslim, mm. because I'm black, because I'm Asian, because I'm whatever, you, you owe me yeah. to, to buy my product or buy my service. Yeah? yeah. So that. I know what you mean. I know you don't do that, but I'm saying there's a lot of people. I don't, and I organize events as well. Yeah. And if you look at the vast majority of Muslim events, there's always charities involved. Yeah. Where uh, sometimes they don't even, the event organizers don't even reveal there's going to be a fundraiser. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's basically haram to say that yeah. in terms of advertising. Yeah. You're not revealing everything how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I don't team up with charities. I have in the beginning had brand awareness, but no fundraising took yeah. place. But I'm, but what I'm saying, I, I, what I, I'm saying, Abdulmalik, is this: yeah, what I was trying to say is, um, so like you're 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 going out your way. You, look, you went and, and got your certification. Yeah. How many years of of experience? Fifteen years, you said of, of studying. More than that, probably. It's more than that. Probably. Way more than that. Yeah. How, how many years? Uh, more than twenty years. More than twenty years of experience. Yeah. You're bringing something to the market which is very unique. Yeah. Now, for me, you're not selling your time. That's what you have to, that, that's what I always tell my customers. It's what value are you bringing? Mm. And that value, that has to be translated into customers. Mm. Now, you look, f- so 
when you're selling your product or when you're selling your service, you look for those people that value your service. Yeah. If they don't value it, then they're not your customers, bro. Absolutely. This is this is how it is. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, as a customer, I when I see something good, I pay for it. Alhamdulillah. That's just how it is because um, because I've like for me, like I would love to take my kids out on a day trip. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know because it's an enriched experience. Yeah. Do you understand? You're learning about. Number one, you're learning about Islamic history. Number two, you're learning about British history. Number three, you're changing your worldview completely mm-hmm. and your connection to this country, which we've been consistently told that we are don't want to integrate. If yeah. you read the Daily Mail, we don't want to integrate. We all scrounge off the benefits. We, we take people's jobs and do them by the simultaneously. We take benefits and take people's jobs at the same time. I don't know how this yeah. works, yeah? Um, <laughs> we're all these things... Yeah, but they don't see, we don't see us. We don't have value, our contribution. You just said it. You said that this whole thing about Muslim world is, it was brought on by the crusaders of othering us. Mm. Yeah, when in fact we were involved in Europe. I say involved, we are Europe. Before Europe was even Europe, right? If you took, you said what? The first involvement of Muslims in, in England was how many years? 125? 141 years. 141 years after the Prophet passed away. Now, and then you, you take the, and, and I'm sure there's many, many more things that we can prove. So I want to end on this. I've taken a lot of your time. I feel like I have to pay you after this one, bro. <laughs> I've taken a lot of benefit from it, yeah? So can you just talk us a little bit about how, because this is important for whoever wants to, who 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 should, yeah? go and actually take part in what you're doing. I think anyone who's listening, this is a direct invitation, is that take some time out, go onto the Muslim Hospital's website. What, what's it called? Um, HalalTourismBritain.com HalalTourism TourismBritain.com Yeah, it'll be, link will be in the, in the, if you're listening to it, it'll be in the, in the show notes. And if you're watching it, it's going to be on the YouTube description, yeah? Go on there, do us a favor. Instead of going to the Shisha Lounge, yeah? Or, or doing, I don't know, going out to eat for the 400th time that month. Spend that money and go and educate yourself and your family about. And you, I promise you, you'll learn something and um, you'll benefit from it. And for me, like I said, first, when that bus tour is out, because I don't like walking, that bus tour is life for me, bro. I've got knee injury in it, so <laughs> you mad inflammation in the knees. Yeah. Okay. But inshallah, once it gets better, I'll definitely do the walking tour. 100%. He does, he gives wheelchairs, by the way. Oh, you give wheelchairs, yeah? <laughs> Like, no, <laughs> I have had wheelchair users. No, no, I'm not wheelchair users. There's a black taxi tour as well. How is it? Yeah. No, no. I, 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 but again, if it's good weather, it's even better, bro. Yeah? yeah. Which is few and far between in, uh, in, in, in these type of uh, times. Yeah. So if you just describe to us what the process of you becoming a, a walking tour, what does that look like? Becoming you, be, the, the the host. How do you become a was it a Prof- tour guide, a professional tour guide? Tour guide. Okay. Uh, what 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 kind of uh, certification? Yeah. What kind of exam? If there's any exams yeah. or whatever it is. Um, first of all, you have to apply to the tour guiding association, um, and they will look at your application form, and um, they have been invited to an interview, and in that interview, you'll have to give give a presentation. Right. Uh, one of the questions in terms of the application you'll be asked is why do you want to become a tour guide? And in my one, I actually made mention about a uh, Muslim location and uh, about a blue plaque given to a Muslim as well. 
And um, so I was asked to speak about that point, expand upon what I'd actually made mention about. Can you just tell us what it looks like, the interview? So where'd you go? Is it like this uh, old Victorian building? Oh, no, no, no. This was just in um, in a cafe, it was, believe it or not. Okay. I, in my yeah. head, you know, in my head, what I thought, I thought it was like this, like... Some sort of institution. Wood, wood, yeah, it's like a, you know, like wooden panels and <laughs> like Phineas Fogg type situation. No, it's very really, uh, informal it was. Ah, okay, right. Um, in this case, yeah. So um had the interview, but, you know, they did reveal to me because we were shocked because like, we've never had a Muslim applicant before. Never? So, never, because when we saw your name, we were like, hey, what's happened here? That's crazy. So they, they say, that's when they told me that, that I was the first Muslim applicant. I was like, is it? Okay. <laughs> I can't even know that. But then, yeah, then I was interviewed. Um, you know, they asked me certain questions, this, that, whatever, and said they're happy to have me on the course. So I did say to them, look, um, I have prayer times, uh, especially Salta Maghrib. Of course, is, yeah. Um, I knew if I could take a, um, you know, I would have to pray at that time. And I said, well, I said, look, after the third week, there's no problem then, because it's before yeah. um, Maghrib will come in before the, the you know, the 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 the, 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 the starting time. And um, so that's what happened. Um, and how long is the course? It was for one year. Wow. One year. How many hours are we looking at? Uh, it's on a part-time basis, so it was. And it was, um, we had one evening a week as well as um, it was um, alternative um, Saturdays and Sundays as well. And that's when we'd be out on the streets. Do you ever do exercise like or related to walking and stuff? Not really, but we did... Uh, um, do well, I should tell no, it's probably wrong to say that. We did do exercise in terms of how to breathe seriously, yes. That, that's what we had one session about that, well, but, but like almost like singing, so to get your voice up, uh, your yeah. Latin, uh, Latin one stuff. of the things in order to get your voice, well, that was projecting. a joke, by the way, and he just called my uh, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, like to kind of because I know this to project your voice, yes, 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 okay, interesting. Um, another part could be if you speak a lot, you may end up having spit coming out your mouth, so how do you actually, <laughs> um, you, you know, um, alleviate that one as well? So, so. Do you mind, what was the kind of exercise you did? It was um, exercising just to kind of make ourselves more relaxed. It's like, for example, actors. Like me, me, um, me, 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 like when that. When they go on stage, they have to train their mouth, basically. Yeah. Um, so they'd be stretching like, exercises off I think mouth. I need to do it before the podcast, bro. After the podcast, just give me a few exercises to, to run through before I start. Okay. Inshallah. No, I'm being, I'm being serious, bro. Yeah, well, you can just go, open your mouth, yeah. close it. I say, A'udhu Billah. A'udhu Billah. Say it again. He's, he's trolling me, you know that. Yes, Are I you am. trolling me? I am. <laughs> I was trying to pick up your mistakes. He's trolling me, man. <laughs> but you got, you got to hit him with the Larry David, bro. Emotional. No, 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 not that one. This one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you can cry out now, bro. All right. Oh, he trolled me. Thank you very much for that. That's, that would make good uh, good viewing. All right. So you, you do the exercises. Yep. And I, because I do, I, because I remember I, I worked in Brick Lane and I used to see them and their voices, because it has to come from your diaphragm. Yes. To kind of make it kind of project over. I know, I know we're making light of it, but you can get really bad sore throat and yeah. laryngitis and that type of stuff. I mean, I know there are some tall guys do have some like um, tablets to help them in terms of their voice. Um, I just traditionally carry water with me. Right. right. Um, well, that's the most of what I would have. 
Okay, so you, you kind of, um, so what else do you, do you cover? Is it oh, yeah, how so to it, research and stuff like that? Yeah, or? we covered them um, research. We yeah. also um, look at buildings, right? Uh, tour guiding skills as well. Right. So, for, for example, um, how do you guide a group? People think you can just go from one place to another and that's it. No, it's tour guiding um, is a skill in itself how you guide people. I mean, I've had a look at um, mosque as well as Hajj and Umrah guides, and I've not came across a single one of them that would actually pass the mark as a wow. tour guide. And that's something I've actually done myself is actually assessed other tour guides as well. Um, and it was something that I, I think that that mark does need to improve upon as well. Um, our, our Hajj and Umrah guides, as well as a mosque guys, they need to improve upon. We should set um, a, a course. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, just offer it for them for free then. No, no, numbers. not free. They've got to pay, <laughs> I bro. They've got to pay, bro. Um, but I've, I said this to other, uh, other organisations that yeah. organise events. I said, look, I'm, ha I'm happy for this to take place, but they don't get back. Well, if you come up with a package, bro, how much are they going to cost all this stuff? I'm sure that... Um... Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, how much are we investing in our mosque guides then? What do you mean mosque guides? People who actually showcase the masjid to outsiders. Right. For example, schools, local right, authorities, right. Um, even the police, um, counsellors. There's a whole uh, um, structure to it. You know, if you're going to one mosque um, to another mosque, how does it? How, what's the difference? In my experience, though, non-Muslims have said to me when I've given presentations about Muslim history of Britain, they said, this is wonderful. We've never heard this before. Because, you know, as far as they're concerned, one mosque visit is identical to another mosque visit. Right. I go, why is that? Because they never speak about the Muslim history of their organization or the locality or Britain. That's what makes the key difference here. That makes sense. And, uh, but, you know, how would you show where the minbar is? Uh, how, how do you actually show them when you're forward facing? Do you keep looking around? I mean, it's not moving, so why keep looking around at it? You know, you're supposed, to, to, you're supposed to look at your audience and permanently keep eyes on your audience. I feel very special right now, just you looking at me like this. I see the skills, bro. Black belt level, man. Yeah, that's black belt level. I, I need a horn for that, bro. I feel it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? No, but honestly, bro, like, um, what, what, I tell, can I... Can I tell you my experience? I mean, something else, just as a, as a tip, on, as, as you're doing a podcast, the way you speak into a mic gets counted as well. Is it? And what, what, what do you reckon? What, what level would you, would you give me? It's like, do you talk directly to the mic? Yeah. Or is the mic to the side of your mouth? I don't know. You tell me, bro. You have been drifting off. Have uh, I? Yeah, I've noticed that. If you don't mind saying. No, of course I don't Especially mind. Especially when you're looking at uh, over there. Yeah, because you hear this, isn't it? Yeah. I was doing that. So what should I do then? The mic stays here in front okay. of that. And if anything, do do? You, you can do it that way. I'll bring it back. There you have it, guys. I really appreciate you. Yeah, bro. Says the guy who never speaks into the mic, who's actually not speaking to the mic at the moment. Oh, he's not. No, I'm not gonna lie. That that's a not radio voice, bro. That's annoying. No, no, that's good. No, like what? Like so, I should move it around, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can have a headset one. That's the other way around it. No, I'm like a douchebag, bro. Like those ones. Yeah. It kind of looks cool like this, bro. That's the one gives the ultimate freedom. What the one with the head? <laughs> yeah, headpiece. Yeah, but like I don't know, man. What do you reckon? Nah. Sorry, what do you reckon, guys? <laughs> I love it, bro. Um, so 
this whole year, like, uh, so you, you go through research. Yeah. Sorry, then yeah, you have yeah. um, exams as well. Okay, right. Um, every term. Yeah. And um, every term. When I joined it, I, on term one, I realized there was nothing about diversity. Right. So the student, I raised it with the student rep. I said to them, look, there's nothing about black and Asians here, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, they realized there was, a, they had never been covered before. And then on term three, uh, whatever they had planned was changed into looking at diversity. No way. Yeah. Trailblazer, bro. Salud. Player tuned in. Go on. <laughs> so, trailblazer, yeah. bro. so no, I managed to get though. that changed um, on that on the I'm course. That's good, but, you know, we have an exam. What changed though? Um, it was the content. We right. were looking at black and Asian disability as well right, right. and um, females as well. And the females were actually being covered, I should say. But it looks at homeless community as well. Um, but we, we have a written exam. We also have a outdoor exam and an exam in a museum or gallery. Right. How you guide in a museum or gallery is different to how you guide outdoors. And there sometimes you can fail outdoors as well. You can fail indoors as well. I've noticed as well, Abdul Malik, when I went on my tour, the use of the hands. There is that part. Honestly, bro, like that's what I noticed. And 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 uh, my experience with that guide, you know, when you go on a tour, um, like you don't know what to expect. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? But he captivated us mm. the whole way. Like literally, like, like there was times when we were walking between Animated, you know, very animated. Yes, yes, exactly. Talking about like a mystery, your eyes, you know, makes it look suspicious. That's it, exactly. And you'd have this little thing that he'd stand on as well. So he'd have like so podium, yeah, yeah, podium, yeah. So literally open it up, stand on it, and then he'll speak to us. But like it's it's it was it was I was I was mesmerized. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really keen to to take part in. I know sometimes guys get their directions mixed up. Because when they're saying to to your right, because they're pointing to you. the right, yeah. but then to the audience's right, it's the left, isn't it? Yes. So that's yes, why yes, sometimes yes. the tour guys easy way around and say, "Look over there, right? And look this way." That's easier as opposed to left and right. Otherwise, you get mucked yeah. up. You do. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I, I interrupted you. So you, once once you do your exams, so yeah. how, how, what kind of is it? Written exam? Or is it a written exam? It's a um, an exam on the streets. It's an ex- internal exam as well. Yeah. So there's like three uh, yeah three exams we had and go past each one and um, there's also continual professional development as well yeah cpd yeah yeah and and how often do you do that is it once a year or uh, every so often when it's required you could say and i'm guessing it's quite a lot of personal investment into it um, yeah mo- uh, money wise basically yeah i mean you have to pay for the course as well you pay for the course i'm sure you've got to pay for your you pay membership for the exams and the, pay exam. for the membership yeah, and this is when you know, even when I run down the uh, social media polls, I said, "Did you know that tour guides have to sit exams?" Yeah, the majority said no. So once you've sat the exam, you have to sit more exams afterwards. No, once you pass them, you're oh, okay. You're done, yeah. Yeah. Okay, alhamdulillah, that's good. So there's unless no you wanted to do a further uh, specific qualification, so for right. example, looking at buildings and architecture, so there could be short courses about that. Right. So right, that's right. something you'd have to pay for. But that's that's more to, to, to do with the knowledge side, right? Okay. And some tall guys do that, do do that. But you know, can you imagine me speaking about Georgian houses to the Muslim community? I'll yeah. be putting them to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair and um, unless it's a specific Georgian house that has a Muslim connection to it, yeah. 
sometimes the other tall guys do wonder, um, how come I get black and Asian people and they don't? Yeah. And I think it's like, take a brain surgeon to work that out. It's <laughs> <laughs> the topics, what's been covered. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, generally the rest of tall guys know that I only will cover Muslim heritage. Yes, I might overlap in black and Asian history, um, but my specialism is looking at, looking at Muslim heritage within Britain. That's all I'm most well, overwhelmingly concerned about. And you said that, just to cap this off, so tell us what your future plans are, because I know you're, you're, you're looking to do some cruises. Oh, sorry, not cruises. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, well, no, I do run cruises already where you can right. have halal food cruises yeah. on River Thames. Yeah. On um, Sunday, the 15th of May, it's going to be an Eid buffet brunch cruise. Right. Um, so that's going to be about three hours on River Thames. That's uh, wicked, man. Yeah, brothers, are just, you know, I get the attention, but it's related to food, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Make and, note uh, of it. There's going to be food available, man. <laughs> Buffet. <laughs> uh, so there is that, but I can actually do a sightseeing um, guided tour on River Thames for three hours as well. That's something right. else. And if someone wants to book you privately, you can that do can that as happen well. as well. Yes, and that's what Have we do. Private bookings, yep. Or sometimes people do email in info yeah. at halaltourismbritain.com okay. asking what they wish to have and to see what can be done yeah. otherwise they can, there's a live booking system online so yeah. that they can just go straight there and do yeah. the booking um, also what you find is that um, organisations um, who want to do the sightseeing tour bus or yeah. um, the cruise on the River Thames that can be done as well as a private booking um, if, they're, if they're elderly people um, you know, we can do the Black um, uh, London Camp Tour as well, so it's less walking. Yeah. Uh, I say if you want to get the maximum, if you want to maximise the experience, it's the walking tours. Right. So there you're experiencing where it took place and what's around you, the surroundings and everything. And what's your busiest periods? Um, summertime. Summertime. Yeah, yeah, summertime. But I have to say, um, the past few months have actually uh, um, been busy as well. Alhamdulillah. And, and, yeah. and do you do this full time now? Full time. This is, this is not a hobby. Yeah, this a lot is of people your, ask me, um, yeah. "Do I do this full time?" Yeah. Surprised, I said, "Yes." It's not a hobby. I don't do it part time, um, etc. But is the fact that um, I have different experiences, and sometimes the, uh, what I could do is do online presentations as well. Okay. So if I've got like um, somebody in a different country who want me to do a presentation for them, I can do that online. Or if schools are up in um, Yorkshire, for example, I could do an online presentation to them without even having to go to them. Um, so but that, I know you do travel though, don't I you? I do, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you were just at Liverpool. Yeah, um, there was a tour there to do Abdullah Quilliam, um, who was the chap who, English chap who opened up England's first mosque. Yeah. That was actually um, being run by somebody else called Yahya Burt. And uh, um, I did speak to him prior to him. He got some tips off me. I didn't tell him that I was going to be attending. So he was shocked when I when he saw, when he saw me there. Um, but yeah, so there is um, um, that, that took place in Liverpool. Um, we went around by coach and had a guided hop off as well. Yeah. And um, then we went into the mosque and um, there was a mini tour there as well, continuation of um, Abdullah Quilliam and the mosque. And then we finished off the evening at a restaurant as well. And then I came back to London the following day. I was at Windsor and um, Sunday, Monday, yeah, Windsor as well. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So even Windsor Castle, for example, you know, what yeah. makes Windsor famous. Yeah, yeah. A Muslim tour can take place there as well. And you'd be shocked to what's contained there. And did you know in Windsor Castle, they have um, a piece of the Kaaba cloth? No way. Yeah. How? It's on display. It was gifted um, to Queen Victoria. Wow, that old, yeah? Yeah. Um, all right. 
It's news to me, bro. Yeah. That's that's one hidden gem. There are many other hidden gems to do with Muslims. Some which uh, were stolen, some which were gifted as well. I mean, they've got cannons from Who gifted um, them, Indonesia. Sorry? In the, this Kaaba cloth was the Egyptian ruler. Um, um, at that time, I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Abdul Malik, I could talk to you for another two hours, bro. But this has been amazing. And we said we're not going to cut anything from here. Okay. Unless yeah, you bro. tell us to, bro. But there's nothing that we don't need to cut out. Um, but is there anything you want to tell the viewers or the listeners about what you got going on? I know we spoke a lot about it, but is there anything you want to leave them with? In terms of closing words, I would like to say to the listeners or the viewers, um, folks, we have Muslim history everywhere in Britain. Just as like you have it most places around the world. Don't think our history is just in the Middle East, the Ottomans or Muslim Spain. It's high time we took ownership of our history in Britain. Learn your history in Britain before other people keep telling you what your history is. You know, reclaim that narrative, please. And it's not just about your kids, it's about yourselves as well. We have been programmed to believe in certain terminology. Let's drop that terminology. And, you know, the stories we have here, there are so many inspiring stories as well. And I remember last Friday, we had a group from a class from Al-Khair School in South London. And, you know, I think there's about 20, 30 of them. And um, they said, we just didn't know nothing about uh, Muslim history in Britain. We knew a little bit about Muslim Spain. Yeah, Ottomans as well. But, you know, the, the message that came back, I'll probably just read it to you, to be fact, so I'm not lying, as they say, what the message was. The feedback from the teacher. It was, I've received amazing feedback from the students who felt super empowered and learnt a lot. They said we should be learning more about the contribution of Muslims in UK. And so Jazakallah I will be definitely be organizing one in the summer for the whole school. So this is the, this is the group here. Even the teachers who came on it, they, they were like taken back as well. It's important, man. Absolutely. Well, I just want to thank you for all your hard work. I know you've been plugging away at this for a few years, man. And inshallah, that yeah, the fruits of your labor will... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're enjoying it now. Yeah. Um, one thing I would like to say, if there's any mosque out there, yeah. please... Make a, a sightseeing mosque booking, sightseeing bus tour, mosque booking. I've only ever had two mosques book me out. There's about 460 odd mosques in London. That's quite shocking, days. What? Why? Why do you think that it hasn't happened? They just have you reached out? I have, yeah. And they're just not interested. Not interested for some reason. I which I find quite shocking. Like you, you know, you're teaching the children, the future leaders as well. So what would them or family? You can make it as a family trip as well. So what would it, what would that consist of? Well, so I see in Boston, we can yeah. come and pick pick up um, your group from the masjid. Yeah. And oh, you I back see. As well. I see what you're and saying. We have the tour around London. Right, right, and bring them back to the masjid. Yeah. So you're not so you think about it, you make that saving. You're not you, don't, you know the oyster card what eight or nine pounds into yeah. London and back. Yeah, you save yeah. on that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. 
That makes sense. It's highly competitive rate, then, as I say. <laughs> Thank you very much. All the details will be in the, in, in the, sub, uh, the description box. And inshallah, once the website is developed, we're going to have you on there, featured on there, inshallah, have all your links on there, inshallah. No so, uh, hopefully, next few weeks. And to everyone at home, thank you. If you've made it to the end, like and subscribe. Don't be a scumbag, okay? If you've watched this video, yeah, seriously. If you're watching this video and you've never subscribed, you've never liked, you know, this is free content. All we ask is that you subscribe and like. Come on, be a good guy slash person, okay? <laughs> so I'll see you in the next one.